This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that hates, hates losing cup finals to the Arsenal. Now, for those of us who have been around long enough to remember suffering at the hands of Arsenal, Saturday's FA Cup final defeat will have been very painful. But unlike the previous defeats, Chelsea were not solely to blame. Step forward... Anthony Taylor, the Withenshaw wanker, whose refereeing performance was arguably the worst we've suffered since Thomas Overbro, or at least the last four or five times that Taylor has refereed Chelsea. This boy has more form than Ronnie Biggs. Uh, on top of that, you can't, you can't argue with the appalling bad luck Chelsea suffered with both Captain Cesar Aspiliqueta and... Captain America, Christian Pulisic, both going off with hamstring pulls. The later, uh, as he or the latter, as he was possibly about to put Chelsea two one ahead. Sadly, there is also no argument about the one consistency in Chelsea's season: their ability to defend like schoolboys and concede a goal through sheer incompetent defending, which they did to give Aubameyang and Arsenal a two one victory and the FA Cup. Bitter. You bet I am. Anyway, the title of tonight's show is Hamstrung, Chelsea Fancast number 516. And on this slightly uh, somewhat hamstrung edition tonight, uh, we have a motley crew. Um, uh, Just a quick uh, preamble before I introduce the usual suspects. My, My condition tonight was that I felt the need to be with people that I'm nearly always with on a cup final day or see on a cup final day um and sadly i i don't think i've ever seen jk on a cup final day because of course you're, you're in the posh seats no doubt aren't you normally Mary, i'm i'm driven in a gold cadillac <laughs> <laughs> and 
and uh, and uh, as you know, don't ever speak to anybody. So it's uh, it's unlikely that I'd be speaking to you, Chidge. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I'm with the real people, mate. Yes. Uh, so there we go. Introducing the <laughs> introducing the grand dame of the Chelsea fancast, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Uh, apart from all that, how are you? It's the grand dame. The grand dame. Sorry, oh, the grand, grand dame. Thank you. Um, there ain't nothing like a dame. Nothing. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm good, thank you, Chich. Thanks. Yeah. I'm. Good. I'm uh, Calm I'm, down a bit. I'm surly and bitter, and allowed me to to make my to rant about the referee. But um, it was one of those great games where you just thought, you know, what else could go wrong? You just constantly. Yes, it was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. It was yeah. so, uh, yeah, and you just go, oh god, and then you just hope that everything doesn't unravel, and you hope that. Uh, they do do some of the things that you're looking forward to in the closed season, but you can't be sure because it's Chelsea. No, it's Chelsea, mate. It's a Chelsea thing, I'm afraid. Um, right, now, uh, no uh, order of seniority or anything other than that, but uh, definitely somebody who I very, very, very much missed on Saturday because uh, cup tradition dictates... Those of, us, those of you who know us very well will know that cup final day uh, starts in a restaurant in Paddington, where a good hearty English, full English breakfast is, is, is taken in. And then off we go to the Victoria pub in Paddington, where I hook up with people like Dan Silver. How you doing? Well, I'm all right, mate. I, I, I have to say, I, I missed, I missed uh, Saturday. And I, I mean, the thing is, we haven't lost many cup finals. No. Um, and if we have, then at least we all meet up in Earl's Court and have a few. Although I have yeah. to say, mate, the last time we lost to Arsenal... Me, Pablo and Psycho Phil were all so pissed off. We longed off the pub, headed straight for Waterloo and just had a quick pint in the in the Duke of Wellington there. Yeah, so, exactly what I did Lost when we lost last time. No, yeah. I, I was, when I woke up in the, on Saturday morning, I was like, oh, it's cut fun, but we're not going. There was a real kind of like, oh, kind of like, you know, deflating kind of feeling when I woke up because I'm so used to it. But you wake up in the morning, oh, oh no. So I ended up going to my local across the road and watching it. One of three people in the pub saw the pics. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. You know, it was deflating not being there by deflating losing. But you know what? You know, we'll, we'll come to the match in due course. But you know, next year hopefully. Well, we live to fight another yeah. day. I, I, I tell you what, hand on heart, hand on heart. I, the thing I miss most about Saturday was the fact that I didn't get to see my buddies and do the usual traditional FA Cup final ritual, yeah. which, as I said, you know involves going to the Victoria pub in Paddington, but there you go. Uh, now, last but by no means least, uh, a man who actually I, I rarely see on Cup Final Day because, of course, he is a local. So uh, unless we bump into him hobbling out of the one of the local pubs, then I, I quite often don't see this man. But the lovely, wonderful Martin Wickham. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was able to drink in a pub near the stadium for the game. But, yeah, it's weird because Wembley on Cup Final Day... There should be crowds everywhere. Businesses, restaurants should be having a massive payday and they've all missed out on it. It's very weird. And for the semi-final, we kind of drove up, drove around the end. We forgot there was an event on because there was no restrictions in place. So, yeah, it's very strange. I mean, we've, we lost the Khaki Cup final, was it? And yeah. now we've lost the COVID Cup final. Yeah, Jonathan obviously was a, was 
kind of certainly at one of them and we were, none of us are at one of, none of us are at both no, of them, no, Jonathan right? was Jonathan was Stamford the Lion in Kharki we established this last weekend Martin do you listen oh. to the Chelsea fan cast I don't clearly know. no it gave me a little little um, uh, loud hailer uh, <clears throat> over my uh, over my muzzle over the, the lion oh. muzzle did you have to recruit did you have to recruit for them at the, the same time well? I, I had to hand out white feathers oh <laughs> to all the players as they came on the pitch Anyway, um, before we get into what's on the show tonight, I'm going to leave you with this little thought, which, you know, in view of the fact that none of us were actually allowed to go, there's a very good argument to be able to say, maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe it didn't happen. And it was just all a bad dream. Anyway, uh, on the show tonight, I mean, it is a packed show tonight, I have to say, even though there's not so many games to talk about this week. But we will ask, were Frank's tactics at fault? Or was it poor game management by the players? Were we just unlucky and on the wrong end of game-changing events? How much was Taylor to blame? Was it poor defending again? And what a difference Oba Yang makes. No, that got the tumbleweed. Uh, anyway, in part two... Oba Yang we... doesn't quite sound like what a day makes. Well, it's close. Nowhere near, Chidge. Well, you're fired. Um, anyway, in part two, <laughs> you're the one that's supposed to laugh at my stupid jokes. Nobody yeah, that else was so does. So far away, Chidge. Was it that bad? Ober Yang, but yeah, where, where Ober? And there's no, you know, there's no similarity in the song at all. So. Okay, thank you. So it's about as good as Rudiger's defending, was it? Worse. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll move on then. Yeah, in part two, funny. Oh, whoa, <laughs> Right, in part two, we discuss Pulisic. Just how good is he? Jorginho, how much of a problem is he? Does Callum Hudson-Odoi have a future at Chelsea? And where does this rank in uh, FA Cup final defeats? And uh, what will the impact of losing the Cup final have on Frank and the players going forward? And in part three, we look ahead to this weekend's Champions League match against Bayern Munich. Oh, yippee! Oh, God, who's fit? Who plays? Do we expect anything out of the game? Will we get battered? Does it matter? And uh, a more interesting question, perhaps, is is the restart coming home to roost from an injury perspective? And, of course, in part four, as always, we wrap up with your emails. Of course, we're in deficit at the moment because uh, me, Tony, Clayton and Jonathan talked so much last week, we ran out of time to do the emails. So we're up against it tonight. We've got 12 in the pipeline, JK. Yeah, gulp indeed. But one of them, and this is the incentive for you, the last email, the 12th email this week, sings your praises so bountifully that I, I think that that is a, a genuine incentive for you and I to really, get through to that. go really quickly. Well, I'm not, not, not necessarily suggesting slow that. slow that one down. Not necessarily suggesting that, but certainly, okay. you know, certainly I think we've got an incentive to get through them. Can we anyway, start with that one and then finish with it again? No, because that's cheating. Okay. And you know my view on cheating. It's oh, for people okay. like Man United and Liverpool, not for Chelsea. All right? Anyway, um, of course, as ever, don't forget, you can listen to this show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash uh, Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join the chat, of course, as so many of you do, uh, including this week. We, who have we got in the house? Planet Earth is Blue, Matthew the American, I presume, Albert the Second. Not Albert the First. Okay, that's all right. We don't mind. Yaren Levy, Nobby Steelers, Andrew Self, Rob Coombe. Oh, if she don't come, Torhouse. Uh, I know who he really is. Good to see you in there, mate. 
Andrew Self loads, basically loads. All the usual suspects are in there. I will try and converse with you sometime during the show. Now, as ever, of course, we're also on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, Instagram at Chelsea Fancast, and of course, Chelsea Fancast on Facebook. After this very short break, we will be back to talk about the FA Cup final. Boo! we go um yeah where does one start i think you know the general before we get into the specific if you like let's start with um frank uh, I, I hope you like my notes by the way i, I had a bit of a change this week and i, I based because of course we're now watching it on tv i can now write notes which is like a stream of consciousness through the match you get some real uh delightful things in there like pepe is a diving you know and you know occasionally kind of random blurts out but I thought I'd, I'd share in them because it's a kind of a good kind of psychology as to what what, what we go through during the match. But that aside, um, I think it's a very laudable thing to ask because, um, you know, there was a lot of lot of stuff going out on Twitter, as there always is after a, after a defeat, particularly one like that, uh, about Frank's tactics. Um, you know, he played the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, Arsenal, in a sense, exploited the gap between James and Aspie. Uh, so you could say that was a tactical issue. Um, but on the other hand, Frank was very quick afterwards to really kind of question the game in-game management of the players, uh, which I also think is a valid point. So I don't think it's a black and white issue. I think it could be elements of both. But I shall leave the floor to Mr Jonathan Kidd to get it off his chest. Um, we started very well. Um, and in fact, if we'd scored again, I think it would have left a very different complexion upon the game. Um uh, great speed, um, but uh, it, it became very apparent that that um, boot up the pitch was uh, the way forward for Arsenal. I just uh, I made notes as well, Chidge. Oh, did you? Do you didn't? Yeah. I, we should publish these on Patreon. It might be no, quite they're, just, they're tedious, you know. Oh, they, okay. Well, I'll publish mine on because mine aren't yeah. tedious. Yeah, it might are just things like um, you know another corner, very nervy me, um, brilliant Kovacic run from defence. Um, so you didn't have any, like, you know, Pepe's a diving. I've got, I've got arse relying on the big boot I've put here. Okay. Because they were. They were just booting the ball down the pitch into the space. That's the only tactic they had. And uh, and they and they scored for it. They got the penalty from it. It was... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm bemused, in fact, that I was bemused at the time that Frank didn't try and shut that door. Shut that door. Shut um, that door. Shut that door. Hmm. Why and you know, I, you know what, you know what, um, you know what Abamyang was saying to Aspie, don't you? You're going to tell us, aren't you, Chid? Oh. Chase me. <laughs> <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, you laughed at that one. I like that one. I like that okay. one. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, that, that, okay, I'll shut up and let you carry yeah. on. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we did. I think Frank said afterwards that we slowed down, didn't we, after that, after the goal, but. Um, uh, I, I didn't think it was it was it was that was the case. I suppose we were using Giroud slightly more. He just didn't seem to have a tactic that dealt with 
with bringing Giroud into the game uh, as much as had been the case in all the previous Do, previous do you think, rounds. sorry to butt in, but as it, it yeah. relates to that point, I, I did write in my notes, as you know, David Luiz did well against Giroud. Yeah, yes, he did. He did. He fouled him a few times, though, but yeah, we didn't got get away with we it. Did, yeah, we got away with it completely. Um, but, uh, but in which case, though, if he was so involved, there were other options for the forwards to get in there. Um, and I thought Pulisic could actually have uh, taken the game away completely on a couple oh. of occasions. But we seemed then to be slightly... Um, uh, we, well, we did the same thing as we've done on many occasions this season, but particularly early on, which was starting off wonderfully and playing the ball with great pace and putting the opposition to the sword in the first 20 minutes and then somehow taking our foot off the pedal. And um, I think an element of whether fear entered into the team, but all they seemed to do was this long ball tactic. And every single time it seemed to create a problem. So you would, I would have looked to the manager to actually try and, as, as I say, shut that door to allow the, uh, to stop that from happening. If it meant them sitting back a bit deeper, fair enough. But I then, think they did so, that in the second half. No, we did in the second half, but I think it, he, he, did it, he did it too late. In fact, we looked in the second half we started looking. I, in fact, embarrassingly tweeted, we appear to have got back into this game. I think we're going to score. And that was, of course, just before Pulisic uh, um, got in injured his hamstring and they were, and sending off. So I was doubly, I was doubly. You, you know, Jonathan, you, you never, you know, you should know by now, tweeting yeah. things like that as a match is going on is the, is the apocalypse now equivalent of never get out of the boat. Yeah, but it's also the apocalypse now of saying of a batsman saying in, in the in the cricket he's playing rather well, isn't yep, he? Yeah, absolutely. Out. I know, I know. And in fact, several people put on Twitter. Um, um, I think that um, that that ship has bolted. What the, the door is? The door dog has the horse has bolted. That now. horse has uh, left for, the port. Yeah, that ho horse is yeah. The horse is, is diving underwater and has drowned itself. I think was the uh, the the idea because I I managed to. Um, uh, I managed to tweet earlier as well. I thought we were playing wonderfully, <laughs> and uh, and of course then we then we proceeded not to. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought that could have happened earlier. Uh, I thought um, uh, Dave was was slightly ridiculous in grabbing onto Abamyang for that long because it just gave him the opportunity to hurl himself to the ground. And in fact, if he'd had a shot on goal, he'd have had a shot on goal. I didn't see why we had to do why he had to do that. Um, you, there was an argument, of course, that Dave could have been sent off as well, actually. So perhaps we got away with one thing from the referee. But um, well, I think uh, the referee said that um, he wasn't in complete control of the ball, and Rudiger was coming across. So that's why I didn't send him off. Dan, yeah, yeah, that I'm, was, yeah Dan, yeah. I'm just going to you know ask you the same question that I asked Jonathan because yeah. I, I haven't really not sure if I've got an answer completely, but I mean. Jonathan makes an interesting point about, you know, the gap that uh, Rhys James... Uh, I mean, they. You, here's the thing, you know, tactically, I have no problem with them setting up 3-4-3. Three, three. The, the, although I think that Frank is very boxed in by this. You know, he's not an idiot and he realises that it, it's true that we are much more solid defensively with three at the back, particularly when Kante's injured and he can't play 4-3-3, three, three, I think, unless Kante's fit. But they also, and I've seen a really interesting criticism on Twitter from somebody who knows what they're talking about, which I thought was really quite a good point, which was to get them to, to play this really high press, which while I think is, is very good and, and I do like that, on a really steaming hot day on a big Wembley pitch, maybe that was a bit kamikaze to do that. And of course, you know, Arsenal, I think, exploited that big gap between James, who I think stays very far up a yeah. lot. 
and Aspie, who's you know not the fastest in the world anymore, could have been addressed a lot earlier. I mean, they did address it in the second half, but uh, well, I mean, you know, was it tactics that were at fault, or was it actually poor game management by the players? It was a microcosm of our season. You know, some very good parts and some really frustrating parts that need huge attention. I mean, you know, you argue you play three centre back, three centre backs. You don't trust any of your centre backs to play in a two, which is a problem. I mean, for the second goal. I mean, Zuma put Abamiyam on his weaker side, but he still really got a good finish away from it. Fair play to him. It was, it was a great finish. But I mean, it's so difficult to work out what's going on. I mean, Rudiger's dreadful at the moment, Zuba's okay, and then um, Aspie's not a natural centre-half. So they're, they're, therein lies a the problem. That we Although don't... he's looked better, I think, playing yeah. as a centre-half, because at least he's... I think when he's on the pitch, uh, Dan, yeah. he, unlike uh, Zuma or Rudiger, or whoever's in goal, although I, I think Caballero's quite vocal, I think Aspie actually does a good job of organising the three-man defence. Yeah, but again, he's not a centre-back by trade, and none of our two centre-backs that played way this season have been... You know, demand. You know, we all like you know John Terrier shouting, pointing, talking, communicating. They all seem very kind of meek, and they're never aggressive enough either. We don't ever attack the ball. We seem to stand off a hell of a lot. But you find like you know, no one. You know, Zima showed a bamboo, but no one was covering. James should have come across to to you know close down the gap. So, I think. It's, we need a def- defensive coaching sorting out because mm. it's, it's a common problem. It's not why has it taken so long? It's the same. This is because exactly the players are shit in the first game of the season, the Man yeah, United the, game. Yeah, the, the players the same problem. Yeah. We have, as I, I think I tweeted over the weekend, that not one of our defenders were getting to the City or Liverpool team, and that's that's the benchmark right now. You look at City or Liverpool's defence, really good. None of our players were getting there, and it's always a case of you know Chelsea, you know, post Bramwich always had a really amazing defence. You know, of course, you had Ashley Cole, John Terry, you had proper defenders. We haven't got proper defenders. I mean, Dan, Dan, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, you can only work with what you've got, you know, unless you're a genius like me, you know, and I've made you all fantastic broadcasters, yeah. as we know. But no, in, in joking because... aside, you can only work with what you've got. And, and you're right. I mean, none of those defenders would have got into any of Chelsea's teams pre-2015, I would say, 16, maybe. I mean, and also you look at you know, Frank Asby, but of course Asby's yeah. aging. So yeah, I mean Frank, Frank Lampard is an attacking midfielder. Jody Morris is a midfielder. We haven't got anybody now who's a defensive minded yeah, coach. You can't sometimes, you know. You, you, I don't know if you've ever had a dog. Have you ever had a dog? I babysat for a dog a few times. All right, <laughs> if you've got a really stupid fucking dog. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much training it does, it's still going to shit on the carpet and bark at people and just be stupid. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, look what Conte did to people like Victor Moses. Yeah, he could took him out. Well, he, he took yeah, him he took off him as a winger and made him a wing back. Yeah, but he he converted him and made him into a. a well, decent maybe defender. maybe Moses isn't as bad as we thought he was. No, but, but just anyway. an example. We we haven't we haven't got any we, defensive main semantics. We could both come up with examples yeah. that would prove prove our point. I'm going to talk to Martin because he's going to think he's probably going to piss off back down the green man if we don't talk to him in a minute. That was all stalking going there. Too. Okay, true enough. <laughs> true enough. Whoops. Uh, anyway, you yeah, can edit that. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, the truth be told, Martin, I never know what the Wembley pubs are because I always drink in the Victoria. But uh, yeah, you, you, me, D- uh, Dan, and Jonathan can you know sit here talking about tactics, game plans, players, you know, all night. And I'm sure a lot of this evening we will do. But isn't there a very good case to say it's a bit like, um, well, you know, it's events, dear boy. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that losing our captain 
and then losing our best player who had the capacity to scare the shit out of uh, Arsenal's defence every time he had the ball, and then getting Kovacic sent off just after we go 2-1 down. You know, surely these things contribute to your ability to win a cup final. They do, but um, I would also say that we could have, I mean, can't legislate for the injuries, but things like when we were on top, getting a second goal, getting a third goal, and then that changes Arsenal's way of doing things. I also would love to add on to the point. I mean, yes, they recognised there was a problem with the overload on that side, but someone on pitch should have been saying to Reese James, get back, you're leaving Aspie exposed. There didn't seem to be any on-pitch... You would have thought Aspie would do that, wouldn't you? you? Would, so you, that's exactly exactly what I'm getting at. He was the one having to chase his tail and then he conceded the penalty as a result. The off-goal that was ruled out for offside was from an overload on that side and was only because of that offside it was the goal didn't count. So there were enough warning signs there. And between a back five and six, if you include the keeper, that they didn't... You know, try and counter that before half time because we were lucky to go in at one all. We were looking. We were actually very but, poor. But you you can have you can have moments. I mean, you know, I, this is one of the things I get really pissed off about with people talking on Twitter. You know, it's 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 an extension of my argument about you know myopic supporters of football clubs, of which I am one, obviously, always tend to forget that there is actually another team playing and they can play mm. well. And, and you know, you're not going to be on top 90 minutes. You're not going to be banging in goal on every attack. You know, the opposition are going to have good periods. And undoubtedly, Arsenal had a good period, which kind of pretty much... I mean, they were beginning to get back into the game, actually, before Aspi, you know, uh, fouled uh, Aubameyang. But well, once, it was the rolled out goal, wasn't it? Yeah, but once, once, once they... Yeah, exactly. And once they, once they equalised, they really did come back into it. And we were under the cosh, but... At that stage, I thought we were defending quite well. So, yeah, you could say we were lucky to go in 1-1, but on the other hand, you could say, well, we'd played all right and defended quite well. I think we defended okay, but I think we looked a little bit more comfortable after in the second half when we looked to when, have we that, yeah. when we dropped back and addressed that issue. I'd also say that, you know, our best player ripped his hamstring and their best player didn't, which didn't help. From a defensive point of view, I don't think they tested our keeper much from memory. I don't recall... And they're one, one shot in the second half. Yeah, yeah. exactly shot. that, JK. Exactly yeah. so that. Maybe we didn't defend that badly, but Arsenal just took took their chances when it was important and scored. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, they were as, as attacking force. They sat back for sixty minutes and picked us off for a couple of counter attacks. Dan, I think this this is one of the things that really pisses me off. I mean, you know, my overview of the game, if if you were to ask me for one, would be. It was just really shit. And it was really shit because nothing went right. Everything that could go wrong for us went wrong. Yeah. And I mean, we've all seen games like it before. We've probably played in games like that before. And you just, just know, don't you? You, you start, These things start happening. You just, it doesn't matter what you do. You know you're not going to get anything out of the game. And I think that's why it was depressing. Um, JK, uh, our resident referee the only qualified referee on the Chelsea fan cast. In fact, he's so qualified, he turns up in his black uniform with his whistle and his red and yellow card every Monday. Isn't that right, JK? Red card, Chidge. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. Um, Now, here's the thing. I I mean, you know, I think, number one, it's pretty childish to just simply blame a stupid referee for the defeat of your side. You know... In fact, there's a good argument to be. Hang on, hang on a minute. There, there, just want to ask the question first, but there was a good good argument to be had 
that you have to play the referee, you know. So if you know you've got a shit referee who's going to give the other side everything, you've got to make sure you, you, you get a few goals in there first. But, you know, he gave us nothing, mate. No free kicks. He sent off Kovacic. There was the issue about the Martinez handball. Mountain Barkley got bookings for nothing. The foul on Pedro right at the end. He was beyond appalling. But but he's he's also unbelievably confident in his own abilities. And this has always been his problem. And he's also completely anti-VAR. And so I suppose it also depends on who his chum was uh, in, in Stockton Park. Mark Oliver, I think. But I, I didn't think it was. I thought it was someone else. I thought I, I thought they said Mark Oliver's name. I don't know, I may be wrong. Atwell, maybe? Whatever, whatever it was. Um, it, it, the other aspect you have to consider is, the, is how um, he is completely wrong for, for the television setup because never once did we have a moment where we were allowed to look at the incident again being reassessed, which is part of the whole VIR process. He almost ran it as if, which he, which he likes to do. If you watch his previous performances, um, he's, he doesn't like being overruled. I mean, somebody rather beautifully put up um, something like 14 howlers that he's made over the last few years um, in, on, on Twitter in just video disasters. And he, he consistently gets stuff absolutely dreadfully wrong, but goes with it. I mean, one of which, of course, was the was the Sanchez handball and offside in the in the previous Arsenal Cup final. I mean, it was also absolutely absurd to make him uh, they don't ever referees do not ever do the cup final more than once. The reason that was JK is because it was um behind closed doors, they didn't want the referee to um, not have the whole thing with his family there, so they picked a, another refer- uh, that referee to do a second final. Well, that's bullshit. And yeah, but that's, what's, that's that what, that's do, what's that going to do with anything, Dan? Well, no, just because yeah, if, you're, if you're refereeing the pinnacle of your career, you want your family to be there. The only reason they didn't do it is because it was empty stadium, no family could be there. I think that's disgraceful. Well, that's, that's, that's what the FA did. And more importantly, Mark Clattenburg and Keith Hackett on Twitter absolutely stated the referee. And you know full well, referees had a stinker when media outlets in normally hate Chelsea are saying Chelsea had... Even, well, talk, sport, even talk Sport were yeah. absolutely eviscerating him, mate. That's how nuts, yeah. <laughs> how bad yeah, but he's, but it is. But he is absolutely... Con- he, he's consistent in that he does not like consulting the linesman or VAR. He makes the decisions himself. And I yeah. encountered that even at my ridiculous level I mean, of he just wants linesmen to do offside and ball in and out of play. And you can see there was a, an absolutely ridiculous setup. I was watching against pre-VAR when he's standing behind a wall at the edge of the penalty area. There's a wall. The ball hits a Man United hand and it's a penalty and it goes off for a corner. He gives the corner. The linesman is just standing there, not giving the penalty. It's because anyway. he he as as has been explained to me by by my my mate, the uh, the assessor, the linesman is deferring to the status of the referee every time. Yeah. So it doesn't matter the referee can't see it. He makes all the decisions. And as once again, I had that in a I can't believe it, a game at Southall. I was running the line and the 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 referee was a um the referee was a a, a bus inspector and he said offside ball in out of play I make the decisions I go okay thank you first two and a half minutes centre forward punches the centre half in the face I flag he says I told you not to make any decisions I make the decisions I said the centre half just punched the uh, got was just punched by the centre forward oh did he he's off then yes I know he's off I say <laughs> and he sent him off but once again I, he it's this is the same attitude 
and it permeates the bloody referees. They they believe they are godlike. He doesn't want to have somebody questioning his decision. The ridiculous decision he gave, if you remember, when um, well, the Spurs John- goalkeeper smashed him to the JK, ground. JK, yeah, the wonderful Jonathan Sharp from uh, Chelsea in Chicago. Yeah. Martin, I'll come, I'll come to you after this. But listen to this, JK. And all of you, you'll love this. There are 15 occasions yeah. when Taylor has screwed us. I'm going li- to read them out. Yeah. The Sanchez heart handball in the 2017 Cup final. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, uh, Maguire kicking Mitchy Bacci yeah, in, the in the nuts yeah. against United. Gazaniga versus Alonso, the one you're pointing out in the Spurs yeah. match. Uh, obviously, Kovacic and the red card yes, uh, on Saturday. Mount's yellow card on, on Saturday. The handball with Martinez on Saturday. Uh, Watford. Um, he gave... Uh, uh, Watford didn't... Uh, this is brilliant. Minimal contact in the box. Even Watford did not contest the tackle. Anthony Taylor gives a penalty. Uh, Tottenham. Son kicks out at Rudiger. Anthony Taylor states there's no red card offence overturned by VAR. Uh, clear foul by Fernandes on William against United on the edge of the box. However, the Manchester-born, re- the Manchester-born referee booked William for diving. Ten. Uh, oh, this is I've, I've probably all forgotten this one. Chelsea against Southampton. Fabregas oh, yeah, fouled in the box. Yeah. Taylor gives a yellow card for diving. After the match, he apologises to Mourinho. The, the, this cost Chelsea a win. 11. Manchester United wants more. Goal disallowed for Chelsea. Two disallowed goals in this game that cost Chelsea the tie. Bailey heads the ball to the arm of Batshuayi from less than a yard away with Batshuayi looking the other way. 12. Man United. Chelsea chasing a goal. Fred pushes the back of Aspilicueta, causing Cesar to fall forwards. It's given as a Man United free kick. According to Anthony Taylor, Manchester-born, Aspilicueta fouled Scott McTominay. Tottenham versus Chelsea. Deli Ali jumps into Matteo Kovacic uh, like a WWE move. Kovacic booked by Anthony Taylor. Uh, this is th- I'd forgotten this one. This is the worst of the lot. Man City. Aguero causes injury to David Luiz after ki- kicking Luiz with his studs up on the knee sideways. Yeah. No foul given. Yeah. He broke his leg. Yeah. Uh, 15. Lo Celso okay. gets away with uh, stamping on Cesar Espelicueta's leg. Could have been the Chelsea skipper season over. Fortunately, he did not suffer a major injury. Again, Anthony Taylor decided it was not a red card. Stockley Park later apologised and said they made the wrong decision. Martin. I told you he had more form than Ronnie Biggs. Unbelievable, yeah. mate. I looked at that thread earlier and I would dispute two of those. Um, the Watford one, unless he was the VAR ref, I'm pretty sure that was given by VAR, not on the pitch, because we all went, what the fuck? It wasn't combining one on the pitch. The other one mentioned about Aguero into the Wiz. Is that the one at the Etihad or the one at No, Wembley? it's the one in the, in the semi-final. So it's at Wembley. The screenshots yeah. at the Etihad, so I got confused. I'm thinking, I swear Aguero... Yeah, this this was on the semi-final. Yeah, he went... Yeah, he, he, he stood up on him, jumped on yeah, him he, he, Yeah, but the screenshot was from the red card oh. challenge when we beat the yeah. 3-1. So it was a bit confusing. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, he shouldn't be refereeing any games involving the Manchester sides. I don't care that he claims he supports Altrincham. Martin, he Martin, if, if you look at that evidence there, he shouldn't be refereeing any games featuring Chelsea. True, but ever since our lot got um, burnt over the Clattenburg episode, I suspect they're keeping quiet on it. Remember that from a few years ago? With, yeah, yeah. With Mikel. Yeah, so yeah. I think I personally think they should be asking a few questions, but they're not going to because they don't want to get into that. Okay. I also think um, Shaka's reaction didn't help the referee either. I'm not trying to defend him, but Shaka went down like he'd been shot 
that, like obviously, I think, yeah, I think that probably made the referee's mind up for him because he thought, oh, there's been a foul here. I'm going to send a yellow card. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't yeah, but no, Jay, that. They're supposed to be elite referees. This is supposed to be the they're top not, though. They're not elite referees. They're the worst set of referees for donkey's years. They are. They donkey's are dreadful. Years. They're absolutely yeah. dreadful. And what, I think is such an egomaniac. He will a, not consult anybody. He makes the decisions himself entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And but so is Dean, so is Mariner. They're all egomaniacs. So is Clamber before that. They've yeah. all got a media profile now. They've got because they become social media memes yeah. like Mike yeah. Dean with his nonsense. Of, you know, yeah. The one yeah, pro, the one that, pro that Clattenburg has got is that he's up with the game all the time. The, he's, he's in Saudi Arabia. Now. Yeah, but Clattenburg yeah, that's, that's the biggest. That's the biggest. Dan, let, let let Dan finish his point before he yeah. explodes. And, Dan. Yeah, Clattenburg and Webb always kept up with play. And the other thing I think point is that you could, you know VAR can give you a red card, but they can't kind of return a dodgy second yellow That's card. Right. That's, they need, it needs to change. Yeah. As, it, does, yeah. as does the business of referees giving goal kicks when it's so obviously a corner, because you've seen it. And well, it is the reason why they All right, all right. finish my point very quickly, because I think... Dan, FIFA, Dan needs to finish his point. Yeah. Time out everybody else, and then we're going to yeah. move on. Because I think FIFA taking over VAR from next season, so that might make a difference. It needs to be for all decisions. You can't pick and choose what decisions VAR works for. It's got to be for everything. There's a doubt. Yeah. It takes, yeah. You know, and if it takes more than thirty seconds, it's not clear and obvious. They should be able to look at it straight away. One or two replays and go right. This is it. 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds is too long for a clear and obvious mistake. But if it is thirty, forty, or fifty, sixty <clears throat> seconds, we need to be included as the audience. That business with the line, the, the him getting the ball outside the line. The fact there was no no um, replay, nothing, no yeah. VAR. Oh, yeah. No stop, he just played on immediately. The AR in principle is a great idea, it's the idiots that run it the problem. Yeah, good point, Dan. Enough yeah. drawing a line under it. Yeah. I'm, it's not going to VAR this one, all right? It's, it's that the, the, I, I make the decisions. I want to say so, one last thing about web, I was going to say something, obviously, of earth shattering brilliance, but I can't remember what it was now. But it was, it was about the referee debate that you were having, but uh. Uh, it's a rum old mess. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I'm afraid. Look, we gotta be honest, and we can't. We can't just sit here and blame the ref, as appalling as he may have been. And as as Martin was saying, actually, folks, you know, it 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 says something when all the media was it Dan? I can't remember which one it was, but it says something when all the media, all the media are 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 screaming bloody murder about it and saying how awful he was and how wrong he got it. But you know what? It makes no difference. Arsenal won the cup and we didn't. And even though I think um, the game would have been entirely different had Pulisic uh, not pulled up with a hammy, I think he'd have scored. And then it's a different game, isn't it, 2-1? Because as you were all saying, Arsenal have one shot on target in the entire second half. Annoyingly, it was because of um, some absolute keystone cops defending again. I mean, let's just take you through it. Uh, what What is... Okay, you could say... Why is Rudiger herring out to tackle Bellerin and then get done like a kipper, which he did? You could also say, where was the midfielder putting in the tackle beforehand? Uh, that would be Jorginho, I think. You could say Christensen made an absolute rick when he tackled Bellerin. But I'll tell you what, at least he tried to tackle Bellerin and took him out. And he was just, I think, unlucky that the ball went to pee-pee. Um, I think the, but I mean, you, like you could also say that because you know because of what happened there and no midfield cover, Aubameyang was in acres of space on the left. However, however, 
How many times was Aubameyang left out on the left in acres of space for that exact thing to happen? And you could say Zuma was a twat and he didn't close him down properly. But, you know, yeah, you know, there's a whole thing going on here. But I think... Why then isn't the manager pointing this out? Lots of other managers go... Look at him. He's out there. They stop it from happening. Well, that, that's a good question, JK, because we, we ask this question nearly every week, don't we? And I, I do wonder if there is a sense that, and, and you know, sometimes because Frank's very good in front of the media, he, he, he's in the, on the one hand very, very honest, but on the other hand says absolutely nothing. Um, and I, I think we have to kind of interpret what Frank says. You know, because I think he often gives us a clue with what he says. And I, I wonder if he does tell these players this and they don't, they either don't take it in or they don't listen. Well, it didn't Sarri make the same complaint that lots of them were, didn't, didn't do what he asked? Yeah. They didn't have the balls, the minerals to, do, to play the game. The reason, the reason Rudiger's so far out of position, pairing up the pitch... It's because he doesn't trust that prick in front of him. This is with the same thing against Liverpool. Jorginho misses a tackle, we get done on the counter attack. Four three becomes five three. Yeah, I mean, he should have taken that player out. He bottled it the Liverpool match. He, he should have put. He should have put him three rows up. Yeah, cleaned him right out, taken a yellow yeah, card, and be done with yeah. it. Yeah, this is this is Jorginho who got a two game ban for accumulating ten bookings. You now won't put in a challenge. Yeah, so something's not right there. So. Rudy is out of position because he doesn't trust Jorginho to do the job in front of him. And then everything you've described after that, Christensen made the tackle at least, but had he missed time, that he's probably going off as well. And you somehow leave Arsenal's best player on mark because everyone else has been pulled out of position. Yeah. Um, Zuma tried to share him down to his weak side, but he's such a technically good player. I don't think he has a weak side, mate. That's no, exactly. He's such a technically good player. He's a genuinely brilliant player. Oh, he's you know? fantastic, yeah. I mean, we bloody bought Giroud so he could buy... Aubameyang at the time, didn't we? Well, no, we've, not com- we've not complained about Giroud recently. Oh, no, no. Let's not, yeah, let's just, let's not go yeah. there. But, um, no, but it's, yeah, one of those... think, it's one of those ones where I also think, you know, everyone focuses on everyone focuses on one long-haired player in the team who's occasionally a liability. Arteta identified the other long-haired G- liability. Gendouzi. Gendouzi. And bombed yeah. him out of there after the nonsense Bright. against Brighton. So yeah. they've looked much better as a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it, that we've we've all broken broken it down, you know, as as we have there. And and you know, in a sense what we're saying is that as Frank often says himself, it's it's a team defending game. You can't just pick on the defenders. And and as I said, I actually thought that we were defending quite well, uh, you know, when we were under the caution in, in the first half. So I think we're very quick to to leap on how shocking our defence is, but sometimes I think we lose sight of that bigger picture, which is, you know, sometimes it happens a bit further up the field, you know. And I have to say, number one, though, I mean, I know you can make the argument both ways that that we either we left Aubameyang in space, which is criminal, or as Martin was saying, all the players are pulled out of position, which left him in the space, which he's good enough to exploit. Um, but either way, I, I mean, I know I made a terrible joke about it, which J.K. quite rightly pilloried. I think is the word, isn't it, J.K.? My, my yeah, Aubameyang yeah, joke. No, I, I don't think we should revisit it, though. I'm not going to because for that very reason, I can I can take take being pilloried once, but not twice. But the okay. uh, the the um the chase me gag made up for it. Okay, all right. So we're we're I'm I'm net neutral. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Well, the I mean, it it does tell you there is a huge difference when you've got a striker of his quality. 
you know, because we we didn't look like scoring in the second half after Pulisic went off, quite frankly. Um, he gets one chance and he scores and he put it away beautifully. And I mean, I thought the penalty was excellent as well. And I, I, I did come away there thinking that we, we moan about the defence all the time. And I know that Giroud's done very well, particularly since the restart. And I know Tammy did really, really well in the early part of the season. But it does not escape the fact that uh, we don't have you know, world a world-class striker who will put goals away for fun. And that's what Arsenal have in Aubameyang. So, Arsenal friends, I know you're not listening, but if you were, this this is for you. Um, I'm going to laugh my cock off when he goes to a Champions League uh, team <laughs> in, in about four weeks' time. Because what are you going to do then, anyway? I think we shall, uh, we, we're all going to have a lie, lie down. It was such an energetic start. Um, and then when we come back in part two... We are going to talk uh, a bit more kind of specifically about things in the game that uh, that caught our attention. But uh, before we do that, I'm going to plug this, even though I don't even know if it's around. I know that there's going to be one coming out fairly soon, uh, which is, of course, is CFC UK, which uh, is our d- delightful, wonderful match day fanzine, uh, which, of course, you can't buy at the match anymore because we're not allowed to go. But you can get it digitally uh, by subscribing online at cfcuknet.net or CFC UK can be bought via post price £2, including first class postal delivery to order send address via email and pay using PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. So there you go. And you can actually, as I said, you can subscribe by mail too. So if you send your address to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk, you can uh, sort out uh, with DJ how to kind of get them sent to you every month throughout the season. Um, there is going to be one coming out, excuse me, there is going to be one coming out towards the end of the month, I believe. But I, I'm, I always write mine on the day of the deadline, so I'm the last person to ask, but that is what I believe. Anyway, we'll be back for part two in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Football right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge and him over there. J- JK, are you all right? You, 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 you're in a bit in the shade and your brow looks a bit furrowed. You've got your hand on your forehead. Are you okay? I've got a palm tree behind me. It's fine. Well, yeah, I've got the palm tree there. It's waggly. I've got one of the nuts fell on my head. Oh, right. Okay. One of your nuts uh, dropped. Yeah, one of my nuts dropped. Yes. Um, no, fine. I'm just a bit knackered, Chidge. Thank oh, you. bless your little heart. We, we've got a hard week coming up, mate. We're doing double shift again this week. We've got Dan again tomorrow. You're going to be all right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Dan can take over. Dan can just... I'll just... Oh, um, can't. Your shoes are too big to fill. Oh. Ooh, oh. Flattery will get you everywhere, Dan. I hope I hope you two have loved the fact that I created a 1985-86 playlist for I was you watching YouTube. it before the um, I came on here. Commentary yeah. is awful. I mean, Wasn't it? It, yeah. Did you did you see the Spurs game with the Irish commentary? Is that the one when Dixon scored early doors? Yeah, two yeah, nil. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was halfway through watching that one before I came on board. Hilarious, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah. more of that later. Uh, Dan, you've obviously heard. Yeah, Dan Sills is back with us. It's been a, been a while since we've seen Dan. Good to see him. Been a while since we've seen Martin as well. So jolly good to have Martin Wickham with us too. There you go. Thanks. 
Tell you what, Martin, move your mic a bit close to your mu- your mush, mate, because it's you're not, you're not coming. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not. You weren't very loud in the first part. Okay, there you go. Just yeah, I don't know. I'll let you know, but uh, it saves me of doing a bit of editing later on. Right, uh, there will be no editing of the content as far as I'm concerned in this because we say what we feel on this show. That is exactly what it's about. Uh, we cannot talk about the FA Cup final against Arsenal without mentioning uh, Christian Pulisic. I mean. I hate watching games on TV. I feel utterly constrained. It's just such a a completely shit experience compared to being in the stadium. But I tell you what, mate, when when that goal went in after six minutes, I absolutely leapt up, jigging around the room, making an absolute tremendous amount of noise, uh, abusing any Arsenal fans I could, although there are none near me that I'm aware of. I mean, it was just brilliant. And it was a fantastic goal. And and again, I stand by this. Had, Had his hamstring not gone... Uh, you know, in the second half. I think he would have put that away, uh, the kind of form he's in. Martin, he is a wonderful, wonderful footballer. And and better than that, he's improved this season, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And the only hope is now that the injury doesn't, you know, bleed into next season because we've got a very short turnaround and we can't hope it's not something that's going to keep him out for, you know, six weeks or so because, yeah, he's the type of transformative player we need. I mean, every time he got the ball, you could see Arsenal players backing off and some of them afraid to make a challenge. So we absolutely hope the injury doesn't look as serious as it appeared at first sight. Yeah, Martin makes a good point there, Jonathan. I have to say it went into my head too, you know. I, I don't know why. My my point of reference always is Michael Owen for these things. You know, you see a young kid with speed to burn, great player. And I mean, you know, Michael Owen suffered from hamstring injuries for his most of his career and arguably was never the player he should have been because of it. So it is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Hasn't medical science improved since then? Wasn't this about 15 years ago? I think it might be a little bit better. They might be able to deal with them better. When I just, I, I thought it was just absolutely bizarre that both he and Aspie suffered from the same thing. And they, uh, it, it, the whole effort made in the uh, in the, the post-season, in the post covid season had obviously caught up with them but i think not not only would he have scored then chidge i think he'd have scored again later on because he'd so any other opportunity he's so clearly the best player on the pitch um in terms of dribbling and and either setting people up or just as you say um well if he'd fallen over in the air he probably would have been booked for diving even if he'd been uh sandwiched or kicked up in the air with this referee but um uh, I think his his running at pace into the box with those lightning feet is um, is a completely brilliant uh, skill that we are going to observe over the next few years and just be um, uh, taken aback by. Um, well, just we're really expecting it, but I think he's he's just one cog in the in the uh, uh, in the system for next season or for the for, for the coming seasons because I think that, I, well, I hope they're going to purchase accordingly. And they have already with Werner and, and Saic. I think they're, they're similarly exciting players. Um, but uh, um, I just think it was, it, everything was utterly stacked. When you've got your other best player coming on, William, and he's not coming on because he's, he's sitting in the stands. When you've got Kante, uh, Kante, he doesn't want to bring him on because he doesn't think he's quite fit enough and it doesn't fit with it. He doesn't. He can't change it because he'd have to change the system, as he explained afterwards. Uh, uh, so you couldn't build the team around him. And they've got that thing where they're only allowed to do three substitutions, despite there being five players, which I didn't know. Did you know that? that yes, three, three windows. Over three windows to do it. Yeah. That's right. So he didn't feel there was a window for Kante. So you've then got the other world-class player not playing 
and you've then got um, your 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 um, boy's own fullback tears his hamstring, and then possibly your best player tears his, his hamstring. The cards are completely stacked against you. Then the referee sends off your. The, I thought Kovacic was having a very good yeah. game indeed. Yeah. Agreed. And Agreed. Uh, and he then gets sent off. And then we have that wonderful um, silly season of 15 minutes of the last 15 minutes of the game of them putting it to bed and farting about and people falling over. Diving which was, over. Which was yeah. true Mourinho. That was ab- Mourinho at his best with Inter. Just the game evaporates. And the referee does nothing about it once again. I've, that was an aspect of him as well that I found absolutely appalling. He could see what was going on and he wasn't well, even complicit. He didn't care. The game just evaporated. So it takes Louise ages to go off. It takes ages for substitutions and he doesn't hurry any of them up or give anybody a yellow card. He just lets it happen. And to me, that was as that was as bad as uh, 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 an example of his refereeing as anything. He just let the game come to an end. Um, but no, so I, I but I agree. But going back to your original question, I think Pulisic is is um, had the ability in that game, the way it was being played in particular, of um, scoring and getting a penalty at least, or even putting Giroud in again. And I thought Giroud, although he didn't have a very good second half and he was obviously taken off, but the last three substitutions we made were meaningless. Not yeah. one of them was capable of changing the game. Well, I think, yeah, well, let, let's get on to get that in a minute. That, I mean, let's eventually. stay on Pulisic. Dan, I, I agree with what Jonathan says about Pulisic entirely there, Dan. I, one thing I would add, um, you know, again, a lot of talk about the difference between this season and last season. And, and you know, the, the number of times that uh, Hazard bailed us out of the shit... You know, he was the one player who who could run at a defence, do something really clever, unlock the door, score you a vital goal, and and it looked yeah on Saturday that that that's kind of really what what Pulisic is becoming in terms of his importance to the team. Uh, so I don't think it's under any you know it's it's not an exaggeration to say we lost our best player and also perhaps our chance to win the game when he went off. Yeah, hundred percent. He's probably our most. Yeah, attack-minded, aggressive forward because he's always going straight for goal, fleet-footed, and the way he just he just dances past players. He's he's, he's an incredible talent. I was I have to, I was quite sceptical when we signed him, so I thought it might just be like a, you know, a commercial signing rather yeah, than player I, with, real, too, with real talent. But he he just looks absolute business. I mean, he's he's almost got off my seat like Hassan did. You know, I mean, bear in mind he's had a really cool, you know season curtailed by injuries throughout the you know the year. He's just been so exciting. I'm really looking forward to him playing next season. I think he's going to link so well with these attacking players and, you know, as, as a replacement for William, Pedro, whoever's going to come and go. It's a really great upgrade in, you know, in, 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 the, in the long-term long-term scheme. If Kipsa um, and Werner link up early and well, that's going yeah. to be very promising. Yeah, definitely agreed there. OK, um, now, I, I don't want this to be, you know, necessarily a... <clears throat> an attack on on Jorginho, but I think the number of times recently when you know I think it's 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 much easier to see these things when you when you kind of reflect on things as a whole and you you you, you know you look at you know a body of work as it were compared to a one-off match and we often you know sit here on a Monday and we're we're very much in the moment of the match that we've just seen in many respects but I have to say. It's it's become clear to me that, and actually we, this is something we don't talk about. Frank has had a very, 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 you know, really bad luck period. I think with injuries recently, 
you know, losing. I mean, for example, had had Kante stayed fit and had Gilmore stayed fit, I don't think we would have seen Jorginho play again for Chelsea. I really don't. Um, I think that was his I mean, aim. I think that was Frank's aim. Actually, I agree. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly exactly why why I said it because I think that's true. Of course, Gilmore gets injured, Kante gets injured, so Frank has to play Jorginho. And as I said earlier on, I think when he plays Jorginho, he has to play, uh, you know, three four three. I don't think it works with him in a four three three because we're just, you know, he he can't. Well, I've I mean, you know, some of these comments I think you know reading between the lines of what Frank says, uh, but also my own observations. You know, short five yard passes usually side to side or backwards that's what he does there was, a, there was a moment in the game where he passed to Kovacic Kovacic passed it back to him and he passed it back to Kovacic and Kovacic passed it back to him I mean what's all that about you know he slows the game down yeah. which is not something that Frank wants at all Frank wants them on the front foot and he's abs- he's as useful as a chocolate teapot defensively and as I said if you look at the you look at the Aubameyang goal again properly I mean, this is the disadvantage we have, of course, because we're not there. So we only see what the director wants us to see. But I think it's really telling the lack of pace at which Jorginho follows that ball into the box, follows the movement and and doesn't even think about trying to to make a tackle. And then when the goal gets in, he does like a little kind of girly hissy fit and jumps up in the air and, you know, kind of shakes his his sterling arms. Yeah. Yeah, and I just thought, well, if you'd have actually got a shift on, mate, maybe you could have done something about it, like a defensive midfielder player's supposed to do. I don't know, Martin. It, it depresses me, but I, I, I don't. I, I hate digging out a player to that extent. It just sounds really church, particularly with the toxicity that goes on around it. But I mean, am I wrong? He's a good footballer, but for the style of play that Frank wants now, he's patently not suitable for it. Um, like you say, weak defensively. He slows the game down when we need to push forward. His most effective period this season was that 10-minute cameo away at Sellers Park. Yeah. Where he's, he has slowed the game down and he's calmed it down when things were getting quite hairy and that was effective. But when we need to push on in games and he's playing sideways passes and maybe not looking forward as much as um, we would like him to, he just feels rather ineffective and I'm not sure where he goes from here because I don't know who, if we're trying to sell him, I don't know who's going to buy him. And he's... Sarri. Well, Sarri could be... They, Juventus, just, Juventus just bought Kanek. So well, they've got someone in who would do that job. They've got Kanek and Arsenal. Is that, is that a Pianic buy? Ah, very good. Pianic yeah, on dance floor. I mean, Pianic on the street. Pianic on the street that you're in, mate. Um, maybe is, Mor- is Morrissey allowed on this show? Is he cancelled? Yeah. I don't know what the. No, no. What the we don't, we don't have cancel culture here, Martin. Thank God for that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't see a future for him if that's the way we're going to play. And I think with Kanto, I, I still don't think he's fully recovered from being played at periods last season when he wasn't fully fit, and he's started to break down a little bit as a as a result, and Gilmore to look promising in the games he's played, but he still has a lot to learn. And he now has a probably first significant injury he suffered. So okay, Bakayoko for the defensive midfield position next season, uh, Dan. <laughs> I'd rather do a better job than Bakayoko. Uh, well, well, We've been on the middle of the pitch to do a better job than him. No, I think I mean, maybe um, Pep will come in for Jorginho. Perhaps. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. Because he won something a couple of years ago. 
allegedly. Who's that? Yeah. Who's, who's that? Pep. Pep. City. Oh, yeah. Replace Fernandinho. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I tell you what this reveals, you know, a little chat about Jorginho here, which has opened up into other things as it always does, is that actually, you know, we sit here, it, it sounds bad enough saying we need a left back, a central defender and a goalkeeper. I mean, that's three brand new players we need, but actually we've got issues all over the pitch. I mean, I know we might have addressed some of the ones up front and, on, and out wide, but, you know, the midfield, you know, I think Martins makes a really good point there. I think... Jorginho, I just don't think he's what we need. Uh, Gilmore, knee injury, they're not easy to get over. One presumes he will because he's young. He's definitely one for the future, but he's inexperienced. Kante is made of glass. That's a worry going forward. You know, what? Danny Drinkwater hopefully will be sold. Right. Van Ginkel is also made of glass and never had a look in here. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I mean, again, I worry about his future with, with that injury. He doesn't look like the player he, he was before he got it. We might have a problem in, in central midfield as well, eh, JK? Um, I'm intrigued that they've renewed Van Ginkel's contract. Um, because transfer value that's the only reason you think that's the reason you yeah, don't think, I, think he, yeah. I mean there, he's Chelsea really looked after him with all his injuries and I think he probably owes him to sign a contract so get some value for him if we want to sell him I genuinely thought he'd been sold so that shows you how much I know um, yeah. there's, he's there's had three dreadful knee injuries yeah I mean like ACL you have to take into consideration is Ampadu going to come back or are they going well, to loan, loaning him out I'd give him put him in the squad I mean because he's very versatile yeah and yeah. he's fit, he's fearless I like his attitude. He's... I was intrigued to see that uh, the Ake uh, transfer reared its ugly head again during the week, just because apparently he's going to Manchester City. But 40, that's simply, forty-one million. That simile has just seemed to have just gone completely docile over the well, last. There's, there's, there's bigger news surrounding Bournemouth at the moment, so yeah. it's probably got a bit quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Is there not a reason, a suggestion that perhaps they seem to? I think they tried this in one game before lockdown, but moving Reese Jones into defensive midfield. Well, he did it for providing, providing you've got adequate fullback. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We can make all these suggestions like bringing Ampadu back. I mean, even Conor Gallagher, Conor Gallagher might get looking. But the, you know, what, what, I think what, what it says is that if you lose Kante, I mean, even if you lose Jorginho as well, I mean, we would all agree that's not a massive issue. But what you're losing out of that midfield is not, not just decent players, in Kante's case, a world-class player, but you're also losing experience. So Gilmore might be great. Ampadu might be great. Conor Gallagher might be great. You know, they might, Reese James might be great in, in midfield too. They might all be great, but they're very young and they're not going to be great next year. Yeah. And I think that's a real issue. But I'll tell you what, that can be for the week after next show. We can talk about that. Um, another sad thing that happened. I mean, we've, we've, we've overlooked this a bit, JK. That's not like us. We normally do everything in the game, really, don't Pedro. we? Takes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, poor old Pedro. I mean, this is a really interesting debate in itself. And Steve on Twitter was anxious that we discussed this and somebody else was too but I mean there was no way I wasn't going to discuss this because Martin and I and everybody on WhatsApp we were having an argument with Dane weren't we about this on on, on Saturday yeah, log um, involved in <laughs> yeah you know Pulisic I was sober so I'd only had a beer so I was firing on all cylinders mate but you know Pulisic goes off um obviously a, you know an attacking wide player and you've got Pedro and you've got Hudson Adoy on the bench. A lot of people, lot of people were saying they wanted um, Adoy to Hudson Adoy to come on. I have to say I disagree, and I did on on Saturday and WhatsApp. 
Um, I, I have no truck at all, no problem at all, rather, with Frank bringing on Pedro because actually what I felt we needed at that time was experience. Pedro has won more trophies than God. You know, he knows what to do to get a side over the line. And I mean, whether it was going to be his last game for the club or not is immaterial. I think it was the right decision to make. And I actually thought he did pretty well. I mean, it was obscene that Taylor didn't give a foul on the edge of the box uh, when PP fouled him. Um, what did so he I think don't was have happening any... there, Taylor? Because he, he put his body over over him and then just trapped the well, ball. Because Taylor's him, useless and he hates aside. Chelsea. Being... Taylor's oh. useless and he hates Chelsea. This we know. But the, the point is this. The reason I wouldn't have brought Hudson Odoi in, I, 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 I desperately want Hudson Odoi to succeed at Chelsea. I think this kid's got a huge amount of talent. But you know what? Since the restart happened, there's a reason why Frank hasn't picked him. When he has played, he's not shown anything. The other thing about Hudson Odoi is he doesn't track back. Pedro tracks back. William tracks back. They're both old men comparative to Hudson Odoi. So why doesn't Hudson Odoi track back? Is he too Billy Big Bollocks for that? I mean, you know, you. I'll tell you what, Frank may be many things. He may be a bit of a novice manager. He might not be very experienced. He might not even be a very good manager at all. It might prove to be that case in the long run. But I'll tell you what, I will guarantee you this. Frank Lampard is a meritocratic manager. If he thinks you're putting it in in training and he thinks you're doing okay, you will get a game. And I think it speaks volumes that Hudson and Doy hasn't. So in my book... I think it was absolutely the right decision to make. Dan? 100%. Frank's always maintained it's about how people perform in training. He's always said that. And clearly Callum's not, you know, he let himself down over, you know, the the COVID situation. He needs to grow up. You know, he's got a huge contract and he needs to really start to prove himself. I said, listen, I'm paying you 100 grand a week. Start performing. Had a couple of flashes here and then, but it's not consistent. He's never really done anything to, you know, justify this new contract. He's got, you know, he's got a lot of pressure next season to get into the team with all these you know, flair players coming in. I reckon maybe, he may, maybe he'll benefit. Maybe loaned out. He might be loaned out. I, I think reckon. so. Well, one of you, one of you, one of you, one of you. He's been awful, hasn't he? Let's be frank. He's not come on and and done anything. It, and you want somebody who's that who's supposedly a star who was going to Bayern Munich to to do something. I know he had a dreadful injury, but he hasn't come back and impressed at all. In fact, none of the three who came on. I've gone on about this. Barkley dithered. And, uh, and and Abraham was was not off the pace, but wasn't running in the same way that he was early on in the beginning of the season. Something has happened, but all three of them, well, Barkley has played better, but he was on a hiding to nothing, Barkley, to come on. They, they But they didn't push forward. They didn't use the opportunity to try to get the ball in the box. We just dithered again, a lot of small passes again. And he got, he got uh, booked, didn't he, Barkley, for just dithering on the ball and then snapping at somebody. You just think something has to happen if you go on, if all three of you go on and you're a goal behind, do something. Let's see something emerging here. Nothing happened. Um, I'm going to refer to uh, the Oracle, also known as the Mixler chat room, because they should be included in this. Um, And keep the blue flying high into north, says, I think we're being very hard on a very young player who had a serious injury. Mate, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I agree with the fact that, that, you know, he's a very young player with a very serious injury. I don't think we're being too hard on him, though. I think the point that I'm really making is is that given a choice between putting on Hudson-Odoi on 46 minutes or Pedro for Pulisic, uh, if I'm the manager, I'm picking Pedro at the moment because 
Hudson Odoi, irrespective of whether he's very young or had a very serious injury, has has not merited getting in ahead of the more experienced player. But I, I tell you, I absolutely wish for nothing more than to see him turn into a Chelsea great and tear it up down either wing, banging in goals for fun. I would be delighted. But he has got to do more, given, of course, that he's still getting over an injury, and I get that. Um, I think the question really I'm asking, chaps, I mean, Martin, I'll ask you, where do you think his future is at the moment? I mean, is, is he going to get loaned out? Will he get Will he get a chance? Because remember, he's got all these players coming in, like Zayech and uh, Havertz, possibly, and uh, Werner, who can play wide. There are also players going out as well. Pedro's off to Roma. It looks like Willian might be on his way. I don't think it would be wise to loan him out next season, purely for the reason next season we're playing 55 to 60-odd games yeah. in a compressed space because we're not starting the season until September, but it's still going to end in the middle of May. So we're going to need as much squad depth as we can. Um, I think the people in management team at Chelsea now have you know, have a lot of confidence in him. Um, I remember Jody Morris nearly um, talking out of line on an interview when he was the youth team manager saying he should have been in the first team a few years back. So there's people there who believe in him. He just needs to maybe believe in himself a little bit more as well. I mean, I think it was a semi-final when he came on for a few minutes at the end. I thought he actually looked quite impressive. But mm. I agree, he does need to do more. I think next season is going to be a big one for him. He needs to um, seize his opportunity because he will get some. Well, I, I very much agree with that, Martin, and hope hope that that is the case. Right, you lot. Uh, just to close out this part, a couple of, couple of questions. The first one, I'll, 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 you know, each of you will get a, a bite at answering this. Um, so I'll ask you this first one first, JK. Uh, what do you think the impact of losing the final will be on Frank, Chelsea and the players going forward? So three different entities there, Frank, the club and the players. Uh, I think that, well, I think the pressure is on Frank, but we don't know what the plans are because it already may be planned out because as he, as he said, he's got a really good relationship with, with Petr Cech and Marina and uh, and therefore, consequently, um, uh, Roman. But um, I thought it was interesting to hear um, Avram Grant say that he was he was intrigued that um, finishing fourth was considered a good season because when he was manager, it would have had Roman banging on your door saying, "What on yeah, earth are you doing?" That's so stupid. That's, uh, that's, that's oh. a completely unfair comparison. No, no, I, I know. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But if 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 he is about to buy. If the club are about to buy four more players and get rid of everybody, which it looks as if is going to happen. I mean, doesn't it? That That's the way it's looking at the yep. moment. The pressure is, is hugely on Frank to make it work. So I almost feel we should be assessing Frank depending on what, what the purchases are. That's why I mentioned that rather mm-hmm. than making this comparison, because then the game is upped completely. And we're in a situation totally we're yep. in a situation where... Yep. Um, where Avram's statement, although ridiculous at the moment, becomes a a, a reality. Well, it's but, a ridiculous statement to make now. Yes, but it's not yes. a ridiculous statement yeah, to, to make, make next to make, next dep- summer. Indeed, is it? depending on depending on who we get. Well, ne- next summer, it, I, we, we even say after the transfer window is closed. But we it, it's we we all think that there are going to be four or five purchases. But uh, but we 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 that would make great sense. It would also make great sense if Roman wants to make the club into the competitive. Uh, Champions League team that these initial two purchases have shown us it should be. Um, but for, as regards to the season, um, my 
my fear about the season is that is they keep they keep exhibiting it's like chalk and cheese performances they even did this in lockdown and um and and if if he'd, if everything had just improved we, everything would have gone out on a on an absolute high for frank I and mean, as it is he's done wonderfully because we all expected them to finish 10th we would have been happy with them finishing 10th we thought this was a a season of experimentation however it, it's become apparent that when they play well when he gets it right they're absolutely formidable but it's the it's the downside of getting things tactically wrong and the defense being so inept so um, to that extent, I'm worried about the fact that he can't make the defence um, understand the problems that they've got. I mean, the very fact that I've re repeated that the problems we had in the very first game of the season, which was pressing and being vulnerable to a boot down the pitch, are there again. The very last game of the season, other than the Champions League game, um, is is alarming. And and I. I, I feel that about four or five purchases would get rid of it. Yeah. But JK, just to interrupt you, but then what's been the one consistent about this defensive inability is the defence hasn't changed. We have improved our defenders and, and they, maybe they're not capable. Yeah, but of indeed, it might work. No, but at the same time, surely they can get it across them. It was the same weakness to the cross, the same weakness to the corners, the same weakness to them. Not if they're fundamental them. flaws in the defenders, you can't change it. If these are fundamental can I, can I... flaws... Then, Sorry, Dan. Yeah, go on. If they're go fundamental on, on. flaws in the defenders, and they are weak at X, Y, Z. Then it's, whoever you put in there is not going to help. But aren't they all? Well, they shouldn't always be weak, though, should they, Dan? You should be able to being a being a, a decent player. Surely you should be able to improve yourself in these areas. Yeah, I mean, I'd also like to know why Tomori's fallen off the yeah. road. what's that all about? Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've heard rumours about his excessive social life. Apparently, he was apparently alleged he was dating one of the girls off Love Island. I don't know how true that is, but he's he seemed to have dropped off a cliff. And arguably, he's one of our, you know, yes, he had a couple of panic moments over Christmas, but I think he's a phenomenally good defender. And would he have done any worse than Zuma, Rudiger or Christensen? Well, once once again, you have to respect what Frank's done. Oh, totally, yes, I'm not, not doing yeah. you know? All right, just want to go back. I... I, I uh... I'm not. I'm not sure if I got an answer to the question I was asking. So maybe I'll, I'll ask it a slightly different way. I mean, I mean, my own view on this is that it's shit losing a final. You know, if you're the club, you know they wanted to win it because they like trophies. If you're Frank, because you know it'd been great to have on his CV first year as a manager, um, he picks up a trophy. I mean, he, you know, we all remember trophy wins and the managers who win them. Um, and on the players, because obviously they want to win trophies too. But I think, you know, Frank Frank lost his first FA Cup final. I was there in Cardiff in 2002. He went on to be a great player for the club and, and, and win it four times as a player. He understands absolutely what it's like to lose, not, not least of this lot. So I do think that actually, I mean, Dean, I think, you know, mentioned this in an article he put up on the fancast today. It might be a blessing in disguise. You know that that that's. I mean, we all. We. I mean, anybody who's been listening to us do the fifty years of Chelsea will remember, and also who's listened to the Chelsea special shows that I did, when we I talked to people like Bobby Tambling and Ron Harris and Johnny Boyle, the pain they felt. I mean, when I asked Ron and Johnny Boyle and uh, and Bobby Tambling what their worst moment as a Chelsea player was, without hesitation, they all said losing the nineteen sixty seven Cup final. And for Ron and for Johnny Boyle in particular, the, the motivation to win that trophy again, for the players that had lost in 67 for us, when they went out in 1970, there's no way they were going to lose that match. 
They'd have done anything they could to have got over the line. And they, as we know, they, they did anything they could to get over the line. So I'm wondering that, in a sense, it might actually, it might steal oh, Frank's nice. resolve. Sorry? Galvanise. Yeah. Galvanised, absolutely. Um, it may well do that. It'll galvanise the players and Frank, but the players in particular, to get back there again and win it again. Um, I hope that that's the case, Martin. Do you think it might be? I think it might be, yeah. I mean, the same applies on maybe on a lesser scale to those and players who endured the 94 Cup final loss, they went into the 97 final and said, we're not losing this, we can't lose this again. So that was an added motivation. Also, I think the presentation, I think they had, were they forced to look at the trophy lift in the dugout because you can't, they couldn't use the royal box. Imagine having to sit looking at that yeah. lot, lifting that trophy. If you that should have done what we all do, Martin. Fuck off down the pub, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> With a, with a raging umber of sulk on, yeah, I, I, I'd have, yeah. I've had more respect for them if they'd have done a- that. But. Actually, a- actually, that's the worst thing about losing a Wembley final, isn't it? It's, it just takes you so long to get out of there. The, first, the one thing you want to do is to me, get mate. back to the pub. <laughs> well, 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 you're a lucky boy, but Dan knows what I mean. Jonathan yeah. knows what yeah. I mean. It takes us ages to get out, oh. and I don't want to drink in Wembley. I want to get back to the Victoria or Earl's Court and have a drink there. And so by the time you spent an hour doing that, you're just beyond depressed aren't you dad yeah it's just horrible i mean when we lost to arsenal a couple of years ago i was coming back from straight out the ground straight on the train back to home and i was just like proper in a foul mood it was horrible i mean it's, it's, it's just horrible horrible feeling i mean i think the worst was 94 losing to man united but it just does it's just horrendous but i, 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 Luckily, think that, I wasn't there yeah, for that one I, you know what Frank, well, Frank, actually, i was at i was at 67 at wembley discovered i got chicken pox 1867 1867. <laughs> and I had smallpox and the pox. You got a small cock, did you say? I had very small cock. Small cock, smallpox, pox, all these things. Yeah. This is like the four candles gag, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was we... going to ask you actually, you know, because you're all getting into it already, actually, funnily enough. But what, 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 you know, where does this rank in terms of an FA Cup final defeat for you, Dan? You've kind of already um, answered it. But... I wasn't there. So probably. <sighs> fifth or sixth of all the finals we've lost. I mean, I wasn't there. Kind of, I, I think, you, you know, when you're not there, particularly a cup final, it's not quite as bad. But it was it was just frustrating. I think when we lost 2-0 to Arsenal in 2003, they're by far and away the best team. And we had an injured Hasselbank, injured John Terry. Two. 2002, sorry, yeah. I mean, Casper was injured. John Terry, you know, missed the game. You know, they were they by far away the best side. Um, and the Arsenal one a couple of years ago, that really hurt because that was that that was our double that season. That was really mm. kind of ugh, sort of horrible. Yeah, Jonathan, what about you? Um, I hate losing. I hate all of them. They're all similar. I mean, you know, I was there at '67 with my dad, and we. I would imagine that might have been the worst because it was the first one. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And you would have been a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid. No pun intended. I was a kid. Very, very clever, Chidge. Very good. Yeah. I was uh, I was I was a kid with a small cock. Sorry, with small pop. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so uh, <laughs> being a kid, I had a very small cock, and um, my balls had dropped. Um, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was awful. That was absolutely awful. But at the same same time, '94 was awful. The humiliation, another another crap ref, um, and four nil. That was pretty humiliating. Um, 2002 as you say the, the difference was of course the in the Man United game we were underdogs in the Spurs game in 67 we were supposed to win it because we were above them in the same way we were supposed to win uh, the last two Arsenal um, finals so I think I think they actually were more difficult because 
we were we were going we were supposed to win it. We we finished above them in the league and were better, were better sides. And I think that was uh, that was tricky. So the um, so the this one, the last Arsenal and the Spurs one were all very difficult to deal with. The one at the one where Hasselbank was injured, we all knew that. We knew he was injured. We knew that they were a much better team than us. So you slightly go in thinking, well, yeah. I, I think we might lose it. Whereas, um, yeah, the, uh, no, I actually think the last two Arsenal were the were, were the worst. The I think possibly the, the the fact we were going to win the double and we were so absolutely appalling um, against Arsenal that day and just didn't turn up despite having Conte and uh, um, sorry, despite having um, uh, um, what's his face um, Costa, um, who, who, who you know was was a beast that season. And despite having a really good side, I think that hurt much more, especially because they they crowed so much. All the Arsenal fans who were very near, who just constantly in our ears about how we was we were supposed to win it and how shit we were. I found that very difficult to deal with. Should have smacked them one, mate. I, I was too far away, and I'm a bit of a coward. Yeah, we need to get you some bodyguards to do your dirty work for you, I'm don't good we? Vocally, but yes, I need a bodyguard yeah, to deal with. We need a couple of minders. Yeah. So if, if any opposition fans get a bit lippy, they can go and chin them. When I played Sunday football, the goalkeeper and the centre half were my pals. They were very big. They were shit house. They yeah. a... go, and, go and look them up, mate. Get them back. Yeah, I should do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Right. Finally, to you, Martin. Same question. Uh, where does this rank in the FA Cup final defeats for you? This is this most recent one is just annoying rather than anything else. I mean, there's. I mean, the circumstances surrounding it mean I can't get as upset about it as I was about the previous final defeats. 2002, that half team was streets ahead of us. Three years three years ago, it was an inexcusable defeat. That was the worst one for me. This yeah. is just weird. I mean, it's in the first week of August behind closed doors and there's a global pandemic going on. So, yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the arse, but no more than that. And no pun intended there either. It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, I, th- I thought Jonathan made an excellent point about 2002. You know, I, that was the first one I was able to get to because I, I, I couldn't get tickets for 94 and 2000 and I was uh, rather stupidly in St Lucia in 97. So it was the first one I managed to get a ticket for. And as I said in that article I wrote for Football London last week, you know, I had to pay 150 quid by sponsoring a beer barrel at a football club in the North East Fate so that the bloke who owned the football club would give me the ticket. Oh. complicated. He didn't want to sell it to me because he was an FA member and they're not allowed to sell them on. So anyway, so I, I like like you boys, I, I kind of, you know, we were very much the underdogs that day. So, you know, I didn't expect us to win. And also, you know, Hasselbank being injured, Terry going sick in the morning. It, it just had the writing was on the wall. And I was in, I was very, very, very drunk that day. So it kind of made up for it. Um, I have to say, you know, Saturday... A bit like 94, actually. Everything that went wrong, went wrong. And and sometimes you just have to throw up your hands and say, this is not going to be our day. Uh, so it's frustrating and annoying, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too depressed about it. I think, you know, Aspie doesn't go off, Pulisic doesn't get injured. I think it's a different game and we're in with a chance of winning it. Arsenal were not that good. That hurts a bit that we lost a chance to beat them. But the one that hurts most is 2017 for me. Because we were such a good team that season. They were so absolutely shit as a team, Arsenal. The double was at stake. And we just didn't bloody turn up. And that hurts. Uh, I don't have the same feeling about Saturday. I'm just a bit irritated that everything that went wrong, you know, that, that could have gone wrong, went wrong for us. And 
And there you go. Don't worry, people. We'll be back to fight another day. And we will be back to talk about the Bayern Munich game. Uh, the last game of the season. My God, what a ridiculous time to be finishing a season. Finishing a season after my birthday. That's unheard of. Normally we get the charity shield on my birthday. We haven't even finished the bloody season yet. Anyway, we're going to be talking about the Bayern Munich game after this very short break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, we're in part three now. I'm Stamford Chidge, and uh, my merry bunch of fancasters tonight are Mr. Dan Silver. Hello, hello. Mr. Martin Wickham. Good evening. And Ursula Andress making a guest appearance. <clears throat> Hello, how lovely to be on the show. Very nice to see you too, dear. Uh, okay, uh, we're now um, going to talk about the last match of the season, which we were saying in the in the lemon break. I mean, my birthday, uh, this is not a plea for happy birthdays and things, but my birthday's this week, I'll leave it at that. And normally we have the uh, charity shield on my birthday or near as damn it. This year, we're still playing the bloody football season. It's ridiculous. So we've got Bayern Munich on Saturday on the delayed uh, second leg of the round of 16, I think it is, isn't it? Uh, Tie. So, meh to all of that, I say. But anyway, the first question, of course, we've got a bit of an injury crisis. I did a bit of homework, boys. I hope you're impressed. Uh, Basically, it's a question of who's fit and who plays. On the injury list at the moment... 
Uh, I would imagine in the doubtful category, uh, Loftus Cheek, William. Uh, well, yeah, in the doubtful category, Loftus Cheek and William. In the absolutely not playing in a month of Sundays column, Pedro, Aspie, and Pulisic and Gilmore. Uh, also, I forgot all about this. This is really interesting. Jorginho and Alonso are both suspended. Da, da, da. Uh, there are question marks in terms of their, their wanting to start about Kepa, Tamori, Tammy, and of course Kante is also in the doubtful list injury-wise. So, you know, we either play 3-4-3 three, three, or we play 4-3-4-3-3. Four, three, four, three, three. So my team, given the injury crisis, would be if we played 4-3-3, three, three, sorry, 3-4-3, three, four, three, four, three, get me 3 and me 4 mixed up, going a bit Freddie Jones there, JK. Easily done. Uh, right, so the 3-4-3 three, three would be Caballero in goal, because I don't think Kep is going to play for Chelsea again. Zuma, Christensen, Rudiger as the back three. James, Kante, if he's fit, and that's a question in itself which we'll discuss in a minute. James, Kante, Kovacic, Emerson. And on up front, Mount, Giroud and Hudson-Odoi. That's about all you could... I mean, you know, that, that there's no guarantee you could even field that team because we don't know about Kante. So with if you subs. played fourth... With the subs. Well, we'll get to that. I mean, this is the other thing, JK. It has to be from players who are in the Champions League squad. Plus the academy kids. Plus the academy B. That's the academy uh, Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Well, that, that answers <coughs> that question. If it's 4-3-3, it'll be Caballero, James, Zuma, Rudiger, Emerson... Again, we've got an issue in midfield. So Kante, if he's fit, Kovacic and Barkley. Uh, and up front, Mount Giroud and Hudson-Odoi. So I, I really feel for Frank here, JK, um, because he's struggling to put a team out. Well, you never know. It being Chelsea, we might suddenly, that team you've uh, you mentioned, either of them, might suddenly come good and beat them 5-4 and still go out. I mean, look, the real issue here, as we've kind of alluded to, um, is really whether you play 3-4-3 or 4-3-3, who on earth do you pick to play in the midfield if Kante's not fit? But Well, I mean, I, I, he will be fit, though, won't he? Because he said that he, he, he almost brought him on, but he didn't know what combination to bring him on. It was too late. Because he was stuck right. to playing the three four three. So what happens if he goes, you know, goes lame after ten minutes, which is what he'll probably do. Well, really? oh, it's it's not a nil. You know, hang on, just wait until he's finished. Otherwise, I, uh, I lose what you both say, Dan. I says oh, it's an opportunity for Frank to, you know, fuck it, game and just. Experiment. Do you want to play himself, mate? Yeah, well, put put James in midfield. <laughs> I mean, as long as we don't get completely embarrassed, it's a fuck it game. There's not a chance in how we're going to turn him out a three goal lead. Yeah, but James has got to play right back. Um, unless he puts Tomori or Rudiger right back, they both played there. Rudiger's really played right. That's back. a good point, Dan. This is this is why I have you <laughs> people on the show. You know, bigger brains than me. This is yeah. what we want. I mean, we, good point. Take take it a game where you can maybe try out some players. I mean, you know, give Callum Hudson Doyle a start. So, well, I think I think Hudson Doyle has to start because we don't have any other not, wingers. You know, Barkley, Mason Mount, more sort of in central midfield. It's, it's, listen, it's, it's hard to know what, who or what you can play. I mean, there's some kids as well. Bate, just, the boy Bate has been in the uh, on the on the substitutes bench, hasn't he? Yeah, and we've got that. We've got that yeah, mass, master, haven't we? So yeah, master, master might get a go. Have they been involved in any squad since the Brazil? Oh, was it? Who's a player? Because um, Matson, I don't think Matson has. Has he? No. No. Andrew, Roger, any of those? 
Where's Mark Goway? Did he go on loan or not? Yeah, he can't play. Um, I, Dan, I'm very enamoured of your, your theory about James, actually, in Tamori, because you're right. You know, Tamori can either come in... Uh, well, I think he would have to come into a, a back four. Uh, a really good right back. Zuma, Tamori, Emerson. Re- yeah, he'd have to play 4-3-3, three, three, yeah. wouldn't he? So, basically, he brings Tamori in for James, technically. Yeah. And uh, James takes Kante's place. Boom, home and host. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. Four now. Or go two up front and drop Mount back. Play yeah. Abraham and Giroud. Yeah. Four four. Yeah. We can go four four fucking two. Four four fucking two yeah. against the Germans. Yeah. Man. That's what we want. Nineteen sixty six and all that. Yeah. Wave your rattles. Jumpers for goalposts. Lovely. Superb. Well, there you go. You've kind of solved that conundrum. Uh, Martin and J.K., do you have thoughts on 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 Dan's genius point here, J.K.? Um, wherever Rudiger plays, it's a slightly disaster, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's one place too many. I would just like to see us um, at least give them a fright. I've you know I've kind of flipped my opinion because I used to you know despise Barcelona as the most holier-than-thou bunch of wankers in European football. But um, Bayern Munich are certainly coming up on the blind side um, with their, you know, recent leaking of shit to the Spiegel. So, you know, they're probably going around thinking, you know, we're, we're in already, we don't need to do anything. So an early an early lead just to sh- um, shit them up a little yeah. bit might be quite but, nice. But Martin, Martin, do you, do you really expect anything out of the game? No, no not at all, but it yeah. would be nice to terrify them. Just, just for five minutes before... Normal services resume. The only things that may go in our favour is that they've been on a beach for three weeks because yeah. the um, well month actually their last game was on the fourth of July and they played the I, German Cup final. Yeah. That may work in our favour. They're probably going to want to ease themselves in rather than going full, full throttle because yeah. the knockouts afterwards are like an, a mini international tournament. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a very, a very dull, low-scoring. Possibly one nil, one all game. I think, as Martin says, Munich have got the you know three goals. They're not. They know they're not going to get hammered. So they might just take it easy. Just you know, play without too much pressure. Just you know, within themselves because they've got the knockouts in two weeks, isn't it? So they haven't got much time to. Exactly. They don't. They don't want to go in full bloody pick up silly muscle injuries after a month off. Yeah, as long as we don't get it Arsenal style, like five one or something, I'll be happy. Well, do you think we might get battered down? No, I, I think as, as Martin made a really good point, they're literally just this is like literally just come off the beach and they're Pavard's injured and one other player's injured. So I reckon Kimmich is going to go to fullback, so it takes him up in the field. I think they'll just be they'll control one, the match, two, probably. One, I, agree. I agree. JK, it's such a shame that the um, after the performances, example, against Man United and Man City and Tottenham, that um, uh, we've got all these injuries because I reckon we'd have given them uh, um, a decent game uh, if we'd gone into it without. Having all the top players injured, um, because and, and played as well as we did in those matches, because I think we've improved from when we were given the the right drubbing by them at the bridge, because I think Frank's come up with a better set of players and how to play against them. I think that's an area of improvement that that Frank's made. I mean, it, it, I, ha- I mean, I, it's funny enough, you know. God, this is an awful thought, chaps. That was the last match I saw at Stamford Bridge because I, I was in Glasgow. For, I couldn't make the Liverpool match because I was working and I was in Glasgow for Everton. It's in Liverpool. We were good against them. Yeah, well, I, I missed that one because I, I had to work that night. So the last match I saw at Stamford Bridge, I was deluding myself thinking it was it was the Spurs match, but sadly it wasn't because I forgot that I'd gone to the Bayern match and I went to that one. 
That's my last match at Stamford Bridge, and I have to say, I haven't seen Chelsea be that schooled, schooled, in fact, for a long, long time. And I thought we were absolutely, you know, taken apart. We were educated by them. They looked a very, very good side, and we had no answer at all. And we we looked like men against uh, boys against men. Um, but I do think you've got a point there, JK. I think that we have improved a bit since then. Of course, now we've got all these flaming injuries. But um, it's a really it's a really interesting thing. You know, I, there are so many other things at play here, like you boys have been saying. I mean, on the one hand, you know, Bayern Munich have been on the beach for three weeks. So that that's not going to have helped them, the fact they haven't played a competitive match for three weeks. Also, they've got that psychological, you could say, disadvantage about being 3-0 up, which means that they're at the... You know, elite sport, if you're 5 or 10% off it, you can be in trouble. Now, OK, admittedly, they've got to be in almighty trouble to lose 4-0, you know. So it's it's tie over, it really is. But, I, I, I you know, give if we if we had our first team out there fully fit, I, I think we might, we might have been able to win this. I really do. Not by enough to go through, but give them a bloody nose. Um, but having said all of that, I mean, I think it's really odd, isn't it, for us, the psychology of it. We all think we've got no chance and, and we're out of the tie. And history proves us right so many times, uh, apart from, I think, Liverpool beat Barcelona, didn't they, 4-0 yeah. to get through last year. So it does happen, but very, very rarely. So it kind of begs the question, given where we are in the season, given what we've just had to endure for the last three or four months, does it really matter, Dan? Do you really care about this match? No, I've kind of I made my piece where we lost three 0 because I thought, you know, obviously pre-lockdown they were out anyway. Just you know, we'd just been beaten by a superb team, and that was our benchmark where we need to be and how, how far we are from that. So I was, you know, expecting to probably lose two or three 0 back at the um, the Allianz. So <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather go out, give all these players a month of rest because obviously there's such a quick turnaround between now and the new season, I'd much rather just go out because, you know, we're not we're not going to win it. And if we did somehow fluke a win against Munich, there's some much better teams than us. I'd rather just say, right, we're out. We've got a month to, you know, rest our weary bones, as it were, and kick on for next season. I mean, given, uh, given how utterly dischuffed we seem to be about this match, next Monday's show is going to be great, people. Tune in. <laughs> uh, Martin, Martin, um, you know, does it matter? It matters from a, the point of view of the players that they don't get smashed by them a second time. Yeah, I think that's that's the other. Although you know we've made our piece of it, and I'm largely just going to treat this. And we'll, well, we are in the first week of August. We might as well treat it as a pre-season friendly. Yeah, they can't go off for a break. You know, losing a cup final and then getting you know tonked a second time by Bayern Munich. It won't do them any good, and it means we'll have a you know what passes for the break. We're going to be talking about. You know the defensive weaknesses, the goalkeeper, etc., etc., etc. It seems that they want to be back at the top table in European football, and they've got a long way to go. But it would be nice to, um, you know, bloody the nose a little bit, like you say. Yeah. But Chid, if, they, if they are drubbed, it won't matter because no. because the team won't resemble anywhere near the team that we'll have next year. Hopefully, but it's. it's- yeah, yeah hopefully. hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully. But I mean, on on paper, from just what we're we're figuring out, that is distinctly distinctly a a you know below strength Chelsea team by necessity, not choice. <clears throat> so it will be interesting to see who he picks. It will be interesting to see 
what happens, obviously. Um, but I think there's another issue around there, which is kind of, you know, kind of a subset, really, what we're talking about with the injuries here. And it, and it, it has occurred to me. It, it's really interesting, isn't it, how quickly we forget things. But I remember writing an article, possibly, certainly talking about it on here before the restart started, that there was a horrible chance that we might see a lot of, you know, muscle, soft tissue-related injuries. And actually, for the first, you know, few weeks of the restart, it didn't happen, and therefore you just put it out of your mind. Suddenly, we're at the end of the season, and we're looking like emergency ward 10, and they're all muscle injuries, Martin. Um, do you think that this is the, the problems and the issues that were discussed before the restart about potential injuries coming home to roost now? Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about injuries going into next season as well because we're going to have a compressed schedule and we're going to have an increase across the board, not just at Chelsea, of silly muscle injuries. Now, I can't say I was paying much attention to other teams' injury problems, but I distinctly recall at least one manager bemoaning the fact that a lot of their players had picked up muscle and soft tissue injuries early on in Project Restart because they played, they've been you know, doing nothing for three months by necessity and then we're playing three games in a week and hadn't quite got to full fitness and, you know, pulled something. Wasn't, so, that, um, wasn't that Bournemouth's problem? I think Bournemouth had a big problem with uh, those, those injuries. I honestly can't recall. I thought it might be Aston Villa off the top of my head, but it could easily have been Bournemouth. It was definitely a team that was down down in the relegation area that were yeah. in it a little bit. But, um, yeah, and I think with what the plans they've got for... Um, next season, which is play all your games, but with four weeks less time, we could be getting a lot more um, issues along those lines. So with any any luck, for want of a better description, we get them out of the way now, that yeah. might be helpful. But yeah, I, I, think it's, I think also we had to play all our games from the start of the restart to the end of the season. We, ha- we couldn't take time off in any of them. Every single one of them was a competitive game because we were vying for top four the whole time. So whereas a lot of teams, maybe there was nothing to play for other than, you know, league position and pride. We were trying to play for the Champions League all the way through. It's a good point. Mm. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's absolutely nailed on the head. I think, you know, every game was a a must win. Now we didn't help ourselves by certain results and we could have perhaps made it a lot more secure earlier on, on in a restart. But, just to get to be really carefully manage these players. Because you saw the way like Pulisic's and um, Aspie's hamstrings went both on, you know, chasing back or chasing forward. So there's obviously got to be some some really good management of muscles between now and sort of that's what that's why I like us to go out. So we've got a month to kind of, you know, recoup and get all yeah. get a lot of players fit. But that's what I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting in the season ahead, because you know at the moment there's no scope for League Cup. For European teams, because there's not a spare midweek between September and December. There's games yeah. every single week. So, I think I think the the points that you two are both making are fantastic, aren't they, J.K.? That actually the ramifications are not about now; they're about what might feed in and bleed into next season. Well, I'm I'm in. I, I wouldn't surprise me if he plays some more of the of the of the youth in this game and just gives everybody a rest or or treats it as a so he, so he avoids it becoming um, a. a a disaster that he, he treats it really lightly, um, which is the kind of thing he might just bring on, you know, four four youth team players halfway through it just to give them a go. And then he's almost saying it doesn't matter. This didn't matter at all. 
Um, I suppose it depends on how many youth players actually stayed on training with the first team. Yeah, there's but that as well. Isn't programs there? got shut down fairly early on around but March time. If they did, he could, he could they camouflage. Did. Sorry, go on, JK. If, if on, they mate. did Stop. get a result, um, they'd only have two. Was it two weeks till the till the remain, remaining part of the uh, of the Champions League, and there wouldn't be anybody fit for that either. Yeah. So uh, it, it it wouldn't even help if they did quite well in the game. Well, I've got a brave and cunning plan, Mister B. Oh yeah, yeah. Basically, we we uh, we disguise heavily both Zayech and Werner, and we get them to play. Yes, perfect. Who do they both look like? If he had a stupid haircut, Werner could pass for Jorginho. If he grew a goatee, maybe. Well, we could put a beard on on uh, Werner and uh, brew cream his hair up a bit and pretend that he's Oli Giroud. And Zayac could be Pedro if we kind of. But then have... that's not going to work though because Giroud's got to start anyway. Yeah, they'd have two or two Giroud's playing, and that wouldn't go down well. Would... Make him look like Pulisic somehow. Yeah, yeah. Shave his head, yeah. get him to wear stars and stripes somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Age him significantly. Yeah. I, as I said, I think I, I feel a bit enlightened by uh, you, you three, uh, for the, the knowledge on on who might start and also what the ramifications of the injuries might be for next season, which is all a bit worrying, really. But there you go. Um, what is not well? Actually, I haven't asked you predictions, have I? So, uh, Martin, prediction. Blimey. Uh, well, I'm going to say, uh, fuck, one all. One all. Yeah. J.K. I think we'll lose three one. Dano. 2-1 Uh I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Ooh. Fuck them all, mate. Ooh, Fuck them all. Wow. United, Bayern, Liverpool. I think this may be the, to... the only time this season that I've gone for an opposition win. Yeah. But in this instance, yeah. I just can't see what the benefits of... Yeah. Uh, can I can I have a caveat on my bold prediction? Yeah. yeah it might be just half-time. Yeah. If 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 the team that starts the, from the selection that we said, you know, actually starts, then I'll go two one. If not, then uh, I think we'll get humped royally if we play the youth. But there you go. Uh, anyway, um, something that should never be humped royally or even uh, ignored for any reason at all is the wonderful Chelsea special, which you've heard me mention a lot. And it's this uh, project I did with Martin King, where we interviewed the likes of Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin. Johnny Boyle, John Bumps and Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Paul Cannaville and, of course, Danny Harkins, uh, all talking about their love for Chelsea, the games that they were involved with and that kind of thing. And, in fact, as, as Dan and Jonathan and Martin all know, I've, I've used a lot of the clips from these recordings uh, in our 50 Years of Chelsea series because they do talk about a lot of the games and the seasons that we're covering and they're, they're, they're really fantastic, great value. Uh, easy to get hold of. Just download all the interviews at chelseaspecial.podbean.com for a small charge for each podcast of two ninety nine, two pounds ninety nine to cover the cost of production. Uh, simply subscribe to Podbean. Go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com as I said, and then you you see the home page and you can scroll down. You've got all the sh- all the podcasts there, and you click on the one you want or all of them, and it goes takes you to buy single episode now. Click on that, and it uh, you know you can download the episode you want, and there you go. It's got a website, chelseaspecial.com, Twitter at chelsea underscore special. You know what to do, and you also know what's coming next. Yes, it's the emails. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. 
Up the Chelsea. Football Fancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and we're on the home straight. It is time for your emails. Now, as you know, uh, last week, uh, we, me, Tony, Clayton and JK waffled on so much that we just didn't have time to do the emails because uh, there has to be a cutoff at some point. Uh, but So we've got a bit of a backlog. So it might sound like a bit weird that you're hearing stuff from a couple of weeks ago, but... Uh, Excuse me. You know you know how it works on the Chelsea Fancast. If you send an email in, we bloody well read it. It is that simple. So, without further ado, JK, email number one. Mark Graver. So, will the non-playing captain, Jordan Henderson, get the piss taken for collecting a trophy with his kit on? I doubt it very much. Of course he didn't. It'll be all over by the time you get this, so please choose one of the following. Congrats to Frank and the team for a great finish to the season. We all knew you could do it. What were you playing at, you bunch of piss-poor plonkers? Banjos and barn doors, defenders in clown shoes, a keeper with hands like wet tissues, etc. Number C, C, none of the above. Either way, it's a Chelsea thing. Thanks to all for their fancast contribution throughout this extraordinary season. Onwards to the cup final and the four goals against Bayern. Don't mention the three that will inevitably let in. Mark. Um, so it was a combination, really, of A, B and C, wasn't it, Chidge? In fact, it was um, congrats to Frank You've and got the team. Choose one of the following. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't, can we? We can't. A, B, or C. Well, we can't. Because well, you could, then you'll have to choose C, none of the above. Well, no, but I'd like to say it's half B and half A. You can't. He says choose one of the following. No, but can't I just be a little bit, you know. It's... No, there are rules, mate. Okay, uh, I'll choose C then. There we go. As you should, because you couldn't choose A or B. You bet you were brilliant, weren't you, on multi-guest tests at school? You know, I... I well, I, I need to choose three of these. I can't just choose one. I'm sorry, but I need... They're all no, a bit, I'd, you know. I'd add footnotes and get extra marks. How did you ever pass maths O-level if you couldn't do the multi-guest? I did it by the third time with a bottom grade. Oh, mate, you're, you and me both. Yeah. It took me about three times. Anyway, enough of me and Jonathan's appalling mathematical uh, history, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Martin, A, B or C? Well, it sounds like he wrote that between the Wolves and the Cup final, so I'm going to say A. I think he's referring exclusively to the league campaign. Yep. Right answer, Martin Wickham. The right answer is A. You get your maths O-level. Well done. I also choose A because, you know, it was a great finish of the season. They got Champions League football. They got top four. It's good enough for me, and it doesn't include the Cup. Oh, I was including the Cup. I didn't read the question properly. (laughs) <laughs> no, which is what they probably said on your school report. Jonathan would have done so much better yeah. if only he had read the question. He over intellectualizes and gets gets upset. Yeah, my mine was he never listens and never pays attention. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and he likes the sound of his own voice. <laughs> quite, quite, quite often. You've ended he up doing make... exactly the perfect job, then, haven't you? I know. What else? Other other famous Chidge school. My mum actually got them all out one Christmas a couple of years ago. We were all very drunk, I'm glad to say, and we absolutely wet ourselves laughing. But there was some other brilliant ones, like if he spent as much time on his schoolwork as he did making his uh, making his friends in class laugh, he would go far. You know, uh, he easily distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> You'd never guess, would you? Anyway, where are we? So there you go. I've distracted myself from reading the flaming emails. If proof were needed. Number right, two, okay. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, this is a double header because Ben wrote one uh, last week, which we didn't read out, and he wrote one this week, and I've combined the two. All right, so. Dear Chidge and Jonathan, how are we, gents? Well, I hope. 
Uh, haven't emailed into the show for a while now and thought it was about time I got back in touch with you guys. Firstly, I wanted to say how amazing it was that you started the 50 Years of Chelsea series. I believe the last episode covered 83-84. As a child of the 90s, I'm eagerly awaiting the episodes covering that period. Don't worry, Ben, they are coming. And the best thing about those is that I'm doing a kind of a natural uh, kind of evolution with the people that we have on the show. So people like Martin, who's a little bit younger than old codgers like me and JK, Martin and Dane and Dean will come more into it over the next few weeks as we pension off the likes of Tim Rolls and Kelvin and Marco. You know, that's the plan anyway. So don't worry, uh, they're carrying on. They're carrying on until we st- until we reach present day. So, you know, they're in here, here to stay, mate. Right, <clears throat> he then says... I wanted to start off uh, on a positive. On a positive, Billy Gilmore being nominated for Player of the Season in Premier League Two. I don't even know what that is. Anyway, I'm sure we can all agree a talented player whose career we shall all watch intently over the next couple of seasons. I've heard mention on the last couple of episodes who our Chelsea Player of the Season would be. For me, it's Mason Mount. For such a young age, he's shown such skill and hard work. He's also the first player to press the opposition and the team, uh, and the team feed off that. The goals and assists. Also, the ability to play as a number 10 or wide player. And you can tell he loves the club and what a free, what a free kick against Wolves. Plus the fact that I am from Portsmouth, like Mason, uh, may also have something to do with it. Sorry, Chinch. Now, don't apologise, Ben. My dad, dad comes from that neck of the woods, so I've got more affinity with Pompey and... Uh, Gosport than uh, I do Southampton or Winchester in some some senses. Anyway, at least you're an Hampshire boy. That's the main thing. Now, a couple of shows ago, after we beat Man City, I believe Clayton was on the show and you guys were talking about the media loving and bias towards Liverpool. I wanted to ask, why is that? I mean, I hate Liverpool and Spurs and United and quite, quite frankly, anyone who isn't Chelsea. Good boy. Uh, maybe I've been, I'm being ignorant and naive, but why does the media have such a thing for Liverpool? No matter what way... You watch football, BBC Sky, BT or even ESPN, there's always a pundit with Liverpool ties. Then I had a light bulb moment when you guys were talking about it. Do you recall our Super, Super Cup final against Liverpool back in August in Istanbul? Now, I remember it being reported by the BBC Sport that before the game, Mo Salah was playing football with a local charity focused on local children at one half of the pitch. But a football pitch has two halves and the BBC failed to mention that down the other half... Aspilicueta was doing the exact same thing, and the only way I saw it reported was by Chelsea Football Club itself. So, gents, I simply ask, what is it with the media and Liverpool? Uh, I really didn't uh, want to bring up the Liverpool game, but I suppose I should talk about our 5-3 defeat at Anfield, which I'm sure you covered in the show. We were quite clearly in control early on into the game, and before the match, I was confident that we could beat them. But as soon as the first goal went in, it was as if we just opened the floodgates. It's funny how a game with the two most expensive goalkeepers in the world and eight goals were scored. A player I would like to talk about is Kepa. Here's a stat for you. Kepa has now conceded 8% of all Premier League goals scored uh, are conceded by Chelsea. Now, for a player that's been at the club for just two seasons, that is quite an achievement. It's telling me it is. Uh, something I found quite shocking during the match was at one point, uh, was at one point, did you hear our players screaming Kepa, 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 hoping he would catch it as the ball was floating over our six-yard box and he just watched it go over? Doesn't fill me with confidence that our defenders have confidence in him. And thus it was proved, Ben, by the fact we haven't seen him since. Um, I wanted to mention Alexander Arnold, or Terence Trent Darby, as Jonathan likes to call him, free kick. Yes, I know it was a fantastic free kick, and I'm not saying he should have saved it, but he could have at least uh, attempted a save. He was far too over on his right-hand side of the goal. 
Alexander-Arnold is right-footed. The free-kick spot was on the right side of the D, so we know he's going to go top right, so to Kepa's left side. Kepa's positioning was all wrong. He looked like a deer stuck in the headlights. Sorry, just changed my view uh, and therefore lost my place. Sadly, not the only goal he's just watched go in. Yeah, go on, keep going. Can we just admit it? He isn't up to the level that we need him to be. I appreciate our defenders aren't great either. I do. But can we just finally stop saying things like De Gea struggled when he first came to the Premier League. De Gea is six foot five. Kepper is six foot one. Too small. Doesn't command his area. Another one. Yeah, but he's young. He's 25, 26 and under three months time. Czech was 21 when we signed him. All right. I found me plagues. Thank you. Uh, hard decisions need to be made in the summer and the club may have to take a financial loss, but we will not win Premier League with Kepper in goal. I really hate being so down about one of our players because I respect every player who has worn a Chelsea shirt apart from Higuain. Yep, fair. Uh, with rumours about Havertz at 90 million, surely we can splash out on a goalie. Players like Pope, who I said we should have signed in January, Henderson, who wants to be a number one at a big club, and Anana, 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 Ajax, or even get check out of retirement. I think you're joking there, Ben. Uh, I hope I'm not coming across as too simplistic because I know it's it's not FIFA 20 and we can just go out and sign anyone. It's the real world, but we have issues in the defence and the goalkeeper position is a key part of that. The club may have to lose a bit of face and pride uh, in admitting that we spent too much on the wrong player. There's a reason why Real Madrid uh, didn't go through with signing Kepa and I fear we are paying the price for Madrid's prudence uh, a positive to the game with the changes frank made to the front three pulisic tammy and callum all coming on and actually causing a lot of trouble for liverpool i don't know if you noticed how tammy and callum are starting to link up quite nicely i noticed it in the fa cup semi-final against united and at anfield and pulisic well as the americans would say awesome what an awesome goal he scored and the run he made to assist tammy that balance he showed dan- dancing through the liverpool defenders another player with a brilliant future the what the Wolves game, well, we won three points. Marvellous. Confident performance from the side. Fantastic free kick from Mount for the first goal and brilliant determination from Giroud for the second goal. I know I've already banged on about Kepa, but with Caballero in goal, the defence just looks so much more at ease. I'm not saying that Willie is the greatest of goalkeepers, but you can certainly see the difference in players seeming less cagey and not so panicky. Gents, this season has been one of my favourites. For so long, we've known that we have an incredible academy and I'm sure I've not been alone in hoping that they would get the chance. It goes to show how far we've come, the fact that five youth players played in our last Premier League game of the season when there was so much to play for. Rhys James, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. All English, which is important. Chelsea is an English football team and I will never apologise for wanting English players in the starting eleven. Looking forward to the FA Cup final, I believe we will win. <clears throat> and how amazing would it be for a top four finish and the FA Cup? And I don't care what anyone says, the FA Cup is one of the most illustrious cup competitions in the world and winning it is important. If we do win, well, then Frank Lampard has to be in the conversation of manager of the season. Win or lose, ultimately great season and I have a feeling the club isn't done in the transfer market. Finally, with the news football and the government aims to get fans back into the stadiums in October... I really do need to get back to the bridge and share a pint of Guinness with you all. Here, here. I second that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show on Monday. Brilliant as always. Like a Jonathan Keeble audiobook, smooth butter to the ears. What a lovely thing to say. Um, I will then read Ben's uh, post FA Cup final email in a minute. But let's let's address the first question that Ben asked, chaps. 
Um, I, I'm, I know Martin, like me, froths at the mouth at any media injustices meted out to Chelsea, and he's eagle-eyed on this. So would you like to explain to Ben, in your own words, why uh, we have a red-tinted media in this country? Um, well, because every journalist likely grew up supporting Liverpool in the early to mid-80s and 90s, and I think it's it's influenced decisions on punditry as well. Wasn't there a file someone put together of every single Liverpool pundit on Twitter? Sid Celery yeah. does, oh, yeah. running count. There's over 50. Bloody hell. Yeah, and this was this like the obvious ones, Van Hansen, Mark Lawrence, but then it was the likes of Glenn Hussain and players like that who were, who, who weren't, who were playing in average teams and getting on there. Because these players all had their best moments in their careers at Liverpool, they're naturally more predisposed to being positive about them. And I would also um, suggest that um, any attempt at impartiality in punditry has gone out the window because Sky and BT have realised over the last year or so that they get more clicks on their website and the social media when they show Gary Neville going berserk about Man U or Jamie Carragher getting passionate about Liverpool. So any attempt at impartiality has gone out the door. And another fact people just don't like Chelsea because we upset a duopoly and they're um, still sore about it we 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 uh we upset a and um what what i, I used to know this because i i would you believe i have an economics degree but there's a monopoly uh a duopoly what's the next thing after a duopoly no i do i didn't i didn't study economics at school there is there is one but it's it's um it's not we didn't just upset a duopoly of man united and arsenal we we upset Man United, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, you know all that all that little cabal. The cartel. That'll do like that. Yeah, we 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 you know because there'd been big clubs forever in their view, and we really upset that, and we cheated by doing it. So they don't like that. I, I will ask Jonathan to get an answer on this. And by the way, Ben, I'm going to read your FA Cup email out next week, okay? Because I suspect we might not have many next week, and we've got loads tonight. Um. Martin's absolutely spot on, and I used to say this all the time. I mean, you know, basically, when you've got heads of sport to ITV who are about my age, um, and uh, like Brian, the dickhead who ended up being the FA chairman, can't remember his name oh. now. That's the one. You know, so many of these people who had very senior positions in TV, you know, producers, executive producers, all big Liverpool fans because they grew up in the 70s when Liverpool were dominating in the 80s. So there's always been that bias there. There's also quite a big bias in the newspaper press. And and that's why. And of course, you know, Liverpool players won everything, you know, and therefore, you know, a lot of them went into the media and, you know, they speak with authority about the game because they've been, been there and won it. So you can see that. What I would say, Ben, I think you will see this changing. I mean, I, I tell you what, I mean, I do a lot of uh, media work still, as you know. I mean, not not stuff that I produce, but I get phoned up to to talk to talk sport a lot, and all sorts of other radio stations as well, and TV companies. What I'm finding now is that the people on the ground in these production companies, you know, who are in their twenties and thirties, are invariably Chelsea. The number of you know, talk sport producers that phone me up and say, Chidge, we'd love to get you on because we're big Chelsea fans. We listen to the fan cast. Can, can we have you? So many. So I think it will change. And I think you will see far more 
of a Chelsea bias, if you like, not not that it'll be biased, it'll just equal it a, it a bit, but you'll get more representation. And of course, with the generation of Chelsea players that we had, you're already seeing more of them coming on. Right now, what we're we're seeing annoyingly is that they're, you know, like I, I thought it was really classic with the BBC on Saturday. They chose Ashley Cole. What's wrong with that? He also played, he played for he's, Arsenal. He's an Arsenal player as well. Yeah. You know, they had Joe Cole on BT and Glenn Hoddle, you know, so that was a better attempt. But who did they have as the co-commentator on BT Sport, which is why I didn't listen? Martin Keogh. You know, so it, it's very deeply ingrained, and I don't think it's going to change overnight, but I think it will do. Jonathan, have you got anything to yeah, add? Yeah, I actually think that it, it's going to change also because of Black Lives Matter, and uh, they are attempting to get more um, BAME people involved in... Uh, uh, and women. But I just think it, it's it's um, they're att- attempting particularly on. Uh, well, what they do is if you watch, I've been watching the the, um, the the championship playoffs and they get players who played in the championship. So in the same, they'll always attempt their excuse would be that they've got the Liverpool are all top pundits because they've all won the Champions League. They've all won the European Cup. They're top, top players and they therefore have experience of every single environment. Whereas on example in the championship, they've got a, a couple of really good pundits, um, uh, both of whom are, 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 are people of colour, who um, uh, who are um, who would grace being on match of the day, would grace being um, uh, talking about the Champions League, but they've I never think, played in that those areas, and that's I why think Liam Senior has appeared on it a few times. He's been on match of the day too. Who was one of those pundits, Liam yeah, Rustinia? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Joby yeah. Mac- still playing for Landorian. Mac- excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think also they're like... trying to push them through just because they that's being appreciated. I think that is a change. I think whoever yeah. is producing that is is treating them because of their expertise rather than their affiliations and the, and the and the games that they've had. And I agree with you completely. It, it will evolve, but at the moment, everybody in the seventies, even in London, everybody supported. Um, Liverpool 70s and 80s when we were shit because uh, um, that was when they were winning everything and it was just inevitable it was an inevitable consequence of um, Liverpool being on television all the time I think just just to close this off this is a hobby horse of Clayton's who who would definitely be saying this was he here which is the most galling thing of all is that the, is the, the, the you know the broadcasters belief that everybody likes Liverpool that it's their everybody's second team. That everybody's delighted that they've won the champ, uh, the, the the Premier League. When in truth, every match going supporter, and, it, I, and I don't mean is. to like you know distinguish match goers as better than armchair fans, but you know to to appreciate this, you kind of need to be a match goer. You know, every match going football fan of the other ninety one clubs in the football pyramid hate Liverpool and hate Scousers because they know what a bunch of shitheads the lot of them are. It's a horrible place to go with horrible fans who throw piss on you if you're underneath the Annie Road end. You get stabbed with a Stanley knife. It's not pleasant. It never has been. And they're not funny. There's another great myth about Liverpool supporters. They are not funny. My Aubameyang joke is funnier than Scousers. It's that simple. And on that happy note, we're going to move on to a fantastic email from our mate from St. Lucia. JK. Kenroy Justin. Dear JK, old boy. Thank you, Kenroy. How lovely to be referred to as old boy. 
old codger i refer um, get referred to as well old codger you can refer to me if you wish sorry i'm having a little bit of difficulty one second chidge everything do you want me to carry no, on no no i can do it now here we go um uh old codger thanks for choosing this as the email of the week is it chidge no he's being ironic oh i don't choose them dean chooses them oh okay 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 um, let me just so blame blame, blame Dean blame everybody. Dean, everybody. Let me, not 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 me and JK's fault at all. Let me just big up your man Chigi to start with. Oh, yeah, he's quite a good sport. As every now and then I would randomly WhatsApp him, he'd answer right back. What a legend! Up the Chidge. I thought you were more midfield, Chidge. Oh, oh, man oh, of the people, mate. Rather, than, man of the people. rather than right back. Get it? Anyway. Oh, oh, Tis the final oh. day of the season, JK. And man, what a ride. I've no idea what I'm writing to say, but I have to write and I'm making it up as I go along. Kind of like, insert appropriate reference here, JK, used to do. Um, who used to do that? Um, uh, tortoise in Pipkins. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hang on while I think of what to write. You wouldn't get that at all, then, Martin. Sorry, it's a it's a, a complete definitely one. Definitely one for teenagers. I'm Absolutely, not... yeah. Over your head. I'll YouTube it later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, email on a tough old slog, but quite an exciting season. Frank came in, made no excuses, regardless of losing Hazard and his two most experienced centre backs, and having a transfer ban. And despite not being able to travel to St Lucia because of COVID as a man should be free to travel to St Lucia, the island paradise. And he declared that we are Chelsea and we won't lower our expectations. He listened to the Chelsea fan cast every week for encouragement and cracked on bravely like the champion, champion he is and achieved. None thought it possible, but our greatest ever player just increased his steam in our eyes up the Frank. So on to next season. And by next season, I mean the transfer season, i.e. silly season. So we're blotting, we're blotting, we're plotting to buy the attack of the century. Havertz, Lewandowski, Messi, ben, Benjito, Pele, even Tony Glover. When what we should be doing <laughs> is seeing if they'd allow us to play an actual brick wall in the middle of our defence. JK, can you think of any rule that prevents us from building a brick wall right in front of our goal? Um, uh, I don't know. It might... Um, it, it, it might... Football Association regulations. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just thinking about um, whether you get your trowel out with the cement in time. You'd probably... It would take too long. But it wouldn't work because it would fall over. Anyway, you can see how a shit defence caused us to place fourth rather than third as we scored more goals than the Man United football scum, the muffs, and they act like muffs too. But they had a vastly superior goal difference. And our goal difference could have cost us a Champion League place, League's place, if Leicester caught us up on points. Hope Frank is listening as usual. Frank, come on, get on it and see if Van Dyke has a twin brother. Personally, I would keep Zuma and Rudiger, loan Tomori out, sell Christensen and buy two new starting uh, um, centre-backs. CBs, centre-backs. Yeah, it is centre-backs, isn't it? He means centre-halves, isn't he? Um, uh, I'm not sure I would do that. I would, I, would, I would be happy for Zuma and Rudiger to go. Don't know about Tomori. And Christensen, I'd be happy for all of, all of those to go. Anyway, here's to another <laughs> FA Cup, 17 trophies in 17 years at the expense of the Gunners. Thank you, Arsenal. That will be almost as good as doing the PL double over the Spuds and Mourinho. Up the Spuds' asses. It didn't happen, of course, my dear chap. Here's to seeing Roman Abramovich back at the bridge next season. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, 
after all this uh, Russian interference. Here's to Mason Mount, definitely currently our biggest youth prospect ahead of Tammy and CHO and even RLC. I'll agree with that. Here's to progress next season, taking another step towards returning to the top of the Premier League. Here's to another successful season of the fancast with more products than ever before. Here's to Sun, Sand and Sea in St Lucia when Chigi and JK yes. comes over. Yeah, I've been Lost. to St. Lucia before. Me too. Come again, yeah. Speaking of St. Lucia, I almost forgot, man. We now have an official supporters group. Hey, friggin' eh? It's called the Gros Ilet, pronounced Gros Ilet. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> supporters group, I expect, will be listed on the website soon. We're hoping that any visiting CFC fans will look us up on the Chelsea site or get my email from Chidge and contact us for a beer or six when they visit. And likewise, we will do the same. Can you guys just give the listeners a quick insight on what the supporters groups are and why they're super cool? It's like our own Chelsea Worldwide Grand Lodge, where we look after each other in all parts of the globe, up the um, up the, um, up the the supporters groups. Anyway, I've talked a load of shite here for someone who hadn't much to say, eh? Thanks for a brilliant season of football and fan casting. Blue is the colour, up the Chelsea, fuck the Spurs, keep the fucking blue flag fucking flying fucking high. We're going to make it a blue day. Could we play this song on the fan cast? Cheers. I'll sing it for if you like. Um, we're going to make it a blue day. Cheers. Kenroy Denver, Justin. That is a cracking email, mate. Uh, even if it's the email of the week, as you say so yourself. Um, what did he want from me? Um, okay, supporters groups. Well, it, it's a great thing. You know, it means that people in it, you know, all over the world can set up a supporter group and, and follow Chelsea and get together and watch matches together, really. I mean, I think it's all changed a bit. I think... I think dear old Guy Lawrence has used it as a bit of a marketing tool in a way to make money because it's all to do with the fifth stand app now. In the old days, it used to be, you know, a really good way to bring disparate people together and that they, if they had enough uh, members, they would get all sorts of privileges and access to tickets and things. Uh, I think that's still kind of going. It's all changed, but I think it's brilliant. I mean, you know... I, I, <laughs> You know, we were. I'm always a fan of having a supporters group because it means that you can get together, and that's kind of what it's about. Uh, it is. I, I know Grozy Lay, Kenroy, but you know that because we've talked about that. I've stayed in Grozy Lay. Uh, the the iron. I talked about it earlier on. I missed the 1997 FA Cup final because I was in fact staying in Grozy Lay. So there we go. I also remember being back there when Chelsea played Arsenal, where. Uh, Drogba absolutely buried them with two goals. I don't know if you boys remember that. Is that the got three 0 at the Emirates? It might have been. Down yeah, it might have been. Uh, and I watched that in a pub in Grozy Lay, and I made my wife come with me. We were the only two people in that pub, so that was clearly before you had formed the Grozy Lay Chelsea supporters group, Kenroy. So I think actually you should name it after me because clearly I was the first member of the Grozy Lay Chelsea supporters club because I was the only person in the pub supporting Chelsea watching the Chichi Lay. The Chidgy Lay, yeah. Or the Grozy Chidge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving swiftly on. Um, this is a, we, are, we are so going to run out of time. We could end up basically doing last week's emails this week and this week's emails next week. I think that's possibly my, what will happen. Uh, anyway, this is from the lovely Yaren Levy. He says, hi, Chidge, Jonathan, and today's guest. Jonathan, now it's your time to say who it is. It's Martin. Yeah, we've we've cut Dan out of the show because he disappeared at, at part th part four, didn't he? Yeah. But it's Martin Wickham. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's been a while since I last sent an email, but it doesn't mean I'm not enjoying listening to your great podcast. Keep 
uh, doing the great job you're doing. Well, thank you, Yaren. I never, ever presumed that you weren't listening. I'm sure that you already covered everything that had to be said about our games against Liverpool and Wolves and also looking ahead towards the FA Cup final against Arsenal. Thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, none of us can be in Wembley on Saturday. I was lucky enough to be in both of our recent cup finals against the Gunners. Actually, that's a very good point. It's not just us who are affected by, um, you know, not being able to go to Wembley. A lot of the supporters groups from all over the world, quite often, I mean, the number of times I've met up with, you know, mates from the States and all over the world, uh, a cup final match, you know, just shows that they get a chance to go. Anyway, there you go. I was in London in 2017 when we lost 2-1. And I remember having a pint with you, Chidge. Uh, and Dan Silver and Dan Levine and some other guys from our Israeli supporters club. It was great, and I've been really confident we're going to win the double again that year. I hope that it won't be too long until we'll be able to have pints before going to games again. Absolutely. Even though I'm used to watching games on the telly, it's frustrating to know it won't be possible for quite a while. As you remember... this Now, remember, this is written before the cup final okay as you remember at the game itself we were poor and lost 2-1 victor moses was sent off by the ref that did that day anthony taylor who will ref this year's final as well it's no excuse but he was shocking that day and i hope it won't be the case on saturday spooky if we'll win this lampard will become the 10th manager that wins at least one cup final at least uh, not nervous, nervously, the FA Cup in his first season at the club. Since 1994, he's the 12th manager who gets uh, with a Chelsea gets Chelsea to a cup final. Only two managers lost their finals in their first year since then. My fellow countryman Avram Grant, who was mentioned earlier on, and Glenn Hoddle. I've been to Baku last year. I must say, it's a lovely city with lovely people and great food. The stadium wasn't as good. I needed binoculars to see properly. The organisation by UEFA was awful and the atmosphere now in empty stadium is probably better than what it was that day. I remember that going to that game, I've been far less confident than in 2017. I took under consideration how crucial it was for Arsenal to win it and the fact that Maurizio Sarri never won a trophy. Looking back to Saturday, I don't know how to feel. I think the winning team would be the one that has a better day at the back. Both teams got a shocking defending record this season. Although knowing that Arsenal have David Luiz in there, it gives me a bit more confidence. I've got a feeling that Giroud would score another cup final goal against his former team. Well, that panned out well, didn't it, Yarin? Anyway, <laughs> it's already been... I mean, you did well with the Anthony Taylor norsing it up, but not so well with David Luiz. But anyway, it's been a great first season for Super Frank uh, in the job. Winning this trophy, trophy would be the cherry on top of the cake. Whatever happens in the final, we can be really excited about next season with the signings that we've made. I'm sure we'll all see a goalie coming in and hopefully a centre-half, preferably Declan Rice. I'm adding here a photo we took after the pints before heading to Wembley in 2017. Good luck to us and come on, excuse me, come on you blues. Best regards, Yarin. And there you go, we're all there. I think Dan's there. So, oh, the best thing about this photograph, I don't know if you boys can see this, and that Yarin wouldn't have been um, aware of this at all. But it's one of the best photos. It's, it's photobombed by Psycho Phil. <laughs> can you see that? Yeah, now. Yeah, I didn't even, look, I didn't even look at that. The, the, but the funniest thing, Psycho Phil is, is psycho, but he's psycho bombing, let alone photo bombing the photo. But he's he's photo bombing it over Dan Levine's shoulder. So there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, moving swiftly along, Yarin. By the way, great email. Lovely to hear from you, and well done on at least getting the prediction about uh, Anthony Taylor spot on. To be fair, Chidge, I, I prophesied that last week as well. 
I think there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who predicted that Anthony Taylor would north it up. Yes, yes, many, yes, many hidden in the equatorial forest. You're absolutely right. Indeed. Yeah. Um, this is Nick Williams, That Chelsea Podcast. Hope it's not too late to send a question in. Apologies if it is. Just curious to know from the guys where they rank this season of supporting Chelsea in their lives. We got top four against expectations. Frank in charge and we played the youth, lots of memorable moments, Spurs, Arsenal away, Ajax, etc., as well as good moments from the restart. If we won the FA Cup, where would Frank and uh, where would it rank and how big an effect has COVID had on how you felt about it? Cheers. Uh, mm. Brilliant question. Very good. What do you reckon, Martin? I thought we'd part that one for a couple of weeks' time, to be honest with you, in terms of the season. Well, it, 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 yeah, that's a good point, Martin. That is a good teaser, because on the 17th of August, we are going to do a season review show, and we will go, we're going to be answering all these kind of questions. Uh, and I hope it's going to be a bit like a part... I, I'll trailer it in a minute, but uh, that's the idea. But I, I can answer a bit of this. You know, it's... Where does it rank? That's a very good question. Um, well, you know, I, honestly, it's above expectations because I had a pretty dim view of where we might be. I really honestly thought, given the circumstances we found ourselves in, you know, Frank is an inexperienced manager. We'd lost Hazard. We had a transfer ban. We couldn't get any decent players. Everybody else would have improved. And, of course, we had to rely on the youth, and that would have always been unpredictable. And the core of the players that we've got here were older or not good enough. So, you know, mid-table was where I expected us to be. I thought if we got lucky, we might have a good cup run. So to finish fourth and be in a final, I mean, I know we lost, but we got to a final. You know, um, we waited 24 years to get to a bloody final. So, you know, these things do count. Uh and also the progression of some of the young players, Mason Mount in particular, and the way that we play football, you know, I mean, there, there is some, I mean, after the stodginess of mediocrity we had to, got got served up last year, to see us on the front foot having a go at people is it, great. So, I mean, where does it rank in terms of my favourite I think if it ranks highly, it'll because, be because Frank, uh, Frank Lampard is the manager and, and it's just made me fall in love with the club again. Last year, I was falling rapidly out of love with the club again. I mean, I was—I mean, I've been going a long time, and I was thinking, "Am I too old for this shit? Why do I bother?" If they don't—if they hate me that much that they—they they hire managers that are like the one we had, why do I bother? But you know, I, it restored my faith in the club, and and I think for that it has to rank high. But it clearly doesn't rank as high as so many seasons we've had in, the, in recent history. Um, you know, with all the winning that we've done. But also, actually, interestingly enough, you know, with me and JK, you know, every week covering all sorts of seasons, seasons like the 85-86 one, like the 83-84 one, the 80-45 one, I mean, they, you know, they rank really high because it was just a great time to be around Chelsea. 88-89 was a massively brilliant from, season. For me, 64 to 72. Yeah, exactly. Great, great seasons. And, uh, yeah. and, and also, um, I'm afraid... Um, uh, 2005 to 2017 as well. Conte's was a great season, apart from the cup final, you know. So, yeah. that first season, so I, I, I would put that this, I'm afraid, about 30. Do you know 13. what? Somebody answered this, somebody answered this question. Um, I think it was Vinod, our dear friend Vinod on Twitter. This is the 18th most successful season Chelsea have ever had. How interesting. 
So therefore, my answer to you, Nick, is it ranks 18th. <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't think you can rank it like that. Because no, it's emotions th- as well, it must be ranking. Yeah, and I, I'm happy. As Marco loves, lo- you know, dear old Marco and his wonderful tweets. Or, I mean, actually, that's the great thing about Marco on Twitter. He, he gives such a lovely... He's such a lovely human being, as we all know very well on this show, because we we get to see him a lot. He's a he's a genuinely lovely human being. He's a positive, happy soul, and I lovely I, I love what he says on his little kind of halftime photo. I'm happy. Are you? You know, and I kind of that's how I feel. I am happy. Frank's back. We've got some youngsters coming through. We're doing all right. We're playing some good football. Yeah, there's some problems, but we can sort them out. So I'm I'm all good. Um, Martin, do you have anything to add to that other than Chid, shut up and get on with it? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think the, getting the connection back was important because last season, the, well, the Sarri season was just eye-wateringly dull. And, you know, having a manager with, um, you know, with the history of us, bring having, having the faith to bring young players through, I think it's, I think it's restored, it restored a lot of people's faith in the club. Um, the last part of this question we mentioned about the effect that COVID has had on the season is an interesting yeah. one as well because it's, well, it's, it's made us all armchair fans, hasn't it? And I think it's also brought, when the, the club have in my view done very well in certain initiatives they've taken and I think it just kind of maybe restored a little, back, a little bit of balance in many senses um, to Sadly, it took something so vicious to do it, but there we are. Martin, that's a superb point. I forgot about Nick's point uh, about the COVID. It's been terrible. It's been terrible. I mean, okay, I mean, I know it's terrible anyway, and it's affected people's lives in a really appallingly bad way, and that should never be overlooked. But from from a, just purely a, a supporting and football point of view, it's been terrible. Uh, I, you know. I, I've never gone to the football just for the football. It's not enough for me. I go there because I get to have great fun with people like JK and Martin and Dan and Marco, all the people that you hear on the podcast week in, week out, Clayton, Tony, drink with them in the pubs before and afterwards. And, you know, if I've had a shit week, and, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky, privileged bloke, and I know that, but I have a very hard job, you know. It really is hard, and I need to get away from that job. And... Going out, getting pissed with all this lot, laughing, having the piss taken out of me, having taken the piss out of them, having a good old moan. Just the laughter and the camaraderie, it lifts my spirits. And it, it even if we lose, I mean, I was talking to uh, one of the Londonese Blue Boys the other week and, and about the laugh and how pissed we got in the Atlas after we lost to Spurs. This is the worst thing in the world. Within an hour and a half, Martin was there, he'll tell you. We were laughing our heads off, just in the joy of being in each other's company and being in that moment together where we had something awful happen. But actually, at the end of the day, life is more important. And and I really missed that. And finally, on that point, the other thing about COVID and how, how, I, how I viewed it, I, I, I fear for the game. I fear for the game. I, 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 I honestly sit here sometimes thinking I wonder if I'll ever go back I mean I I wrote a column about this in Football London the other week should I stay or should I go I don't feel comfortable I wouldn't feel if if they were to bring it back in October and I don't think they will I wouldn't feel comfortable going this virus is still here and it's still killing people and I know people who have died from it and it is fucking beyond horrible it's not just a bad case of flu 
this can kill you neu- neurologically. You know, it's horrible. And I, and I don't want to take that risk. And I do sit there and I think, well, I wonder if I'll ever go back. Will it ever be the same again? Will I ever be... A, and I don't want to go back until I can go in that pub, in the cock pub beforehand, and meet all of you lot and have a great time and then go and watch some great football, hopefully see Chelsea win, and then go and get pissed in the pub afterwards. That is what I have bought into for many, many, many years. And if I can't have that experience, I'm not so sure that I really want that. I'm a bit of an all-or-nothing guy. So, Nick... COVID has massively changed everything, I think. And I do fear, I wonder whether it will come back. Jonathan? Um, I'm, I have occasionally have this kind of, as if I'm being brave, that uh, if they say um, it'll be by ballot or something and you get a seat and you think, yeah, well, I'll be socially distanced from the next person. But then you think, well, what are we going to do when teams score? What are we going to do if the referee gives a terrible decision? Are we going to take our masks off and shout? We shout through the mask. Do what is happens if somebody spontaneously? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do if somebody spontaneously embraces you? You know, you, well, no, we're, not, we're not allowed who, to do that. But Jonathan, Jonathan, there are people that you know and sit with who I, when you, I've been invited along, who would probably think that wearing masks for me should be mandatory. Yeah, in fact, they asked at the time when you came, can you wear they a did. mask? And gaffer. And this tape. was pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and shrink yeah wrap. yeah in fact yeah could, could he could he in fact wait on us and, uh, and <laughs> could he go and fetch the coffee and the pick and mix um but uh yeah well in fact in fact have you heard the latest chidge they they think that they can do a really um top-notch test at the door to find out if everybody has got it yeah, they, yeah, sure they can, but they can't do it on the tube on the way in or on the bus on the way in. No, but if they, I mean, or, or on the way out when you've got fifty. Oh, you, know, you mean for your, the consequences out. rather not in the you not in make, the ground? You, the you state, mean outside yeah. the ground as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Well, I, suppose you, 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 I mean, look, it's it's a really interesting balance to weigh up, isn't it? Because it's all about risk. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can mitigate some of the risk, but you can't mitigate all the risk. And actually, that is true of life. Life is about risks there are always risks i think the difference for me on this one is that this is a risk that i can control I, and it's not going. just that yeah i agree yeah i agree yeah. it's it's not just that though i have a as i just tried to ex- express i have a very distinct reason why i go to football and why i yes, enjoy it yes yes and if i can't i mean okay it's a bit like you know if you want do you want to go and see you know, John Gielgud, Lawrence Olivier and Sam Kidd and Jonathan Kidd in a play in the old Vic, have a nice slap-up meal beforehand with some great friends, have a few gin and tonics at half-time, see some brilliant uh, performances, then go back to the pub to quickly get in a few at last orders or in the theatre bar. Or do you want to go and see a few people randomly pulled off the street with no set, no drink, and about a half-pack theatre? No. That's not the experience that I love. So that's what does it for me, really. Well, they're, just, they're hoping, aren't they, that this would cause an environment where you could actually be, you wouldn't need to social distance as it had been proven at the door that you've, um, you haven't got the virus. Yeah, but you don't know that. There are people who are asymptomatic. Indeed. Listen, Indeed. boys, we, we can't we go we on could, to that. Absolutely agree. We could do a whole show well, about we this. Could, we could, and it, yeah. We, well, we can't because we've got to, got to finish up because poor old Martin needs to go to sleep. You know, the the, the, the youngsters, it's past more, the youngsters. I'm bedtime. wide awake, mate. <laughs> <laughs> more, we do more, the, more so than me. Do the, do the rest next week, Chidge, then? 
Yeah, I'm going to do well. I'm going to do one more to make it six, and then we'll do all the rest next yeah. week. Uh, but before we do that, we just should should give a shout out to Nick's wonderful podcast, that Chelsea podcast. And actually, this is another thing about what Martin was saying. Uh, we're all the same now. There is no distinction between match going supporters and armchair fans. We're all armchair fans. Uh, the Chelsea fancast has immediately lost its USP. You know, I can't now say, well, you can all fuck off because we actually go to the matches and you don't. So there we go. We take the moral high ground because we can't. We're all the same. And I think it's really interesting to see the explosion of podcasts that have happened recently as people have discovered that you can record podcasts by doing a Zoom. All power to their elbow, I genuinely say, and particularly to Nick and that Chelsea podcast. They're a good bunch of lads, so give it a listen. And also, while I'm at it, Chelsea Chad has got a podcast out too, so check his out. I'm sure that I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it'd be a cracker. Right, last uh, email, very quick one from Tim Marshall, who says, Hi, Chelsea Fancast. I've been listening to the 50 Years of Chelsea series, which has been hugely enjoyable, as it's taken me back to when I first started to follow the club home and away, late 70s and early 80s. I've missed a few episodes and couldn't see an archive section on your website. Could you let me know how I can access previous episodes? Tim Marshall. Well, Tim... I have on the website set up a separate, if you look at the top menu on the homepage, there's a 50 Years of Chelsea, uh, you know, title. You go in there and you can see all of them from the 80s. All the ones that we did uh, from 1970 to 1979 were included as part of the main Monday Night Chelsea fan cast. So you'll have to delve in there if you want to listen to them. What I intend to do when I have a bit of spare time is to cut them out and make them separate episodes and put them in that 50 Years of Chelsea thing on the website. So you'll be able to get the whole lot as you go through as kind of, you know, standalone shows, as it were. But you you can get them, the easiest the easiest way to get them from the 80s is to go into the website, chelseafancast.com, and you'll see on the menu, 50 Years of Chelsea, just go into that and you'll find them from the 80s. The ones from the 70s will go in there eventually, I promise. So there you go. Goodness gracious me, um, what an... Oh, a long show again, dearie me. There's, there's, there's still a few hardy, hardy souls in the old Mixler room, you know. Bless them. Anyway, on the cards, uh, you'll though, probably was believe... an itchage, considering that the first couple of parts took an hour, because normally we get about eight o'clock, but in this instance, it was eight thirty before I went out, I went out of me wee. You know, so that's uh, mm. that's already an hour and a half. I blame Dan. I blame Anthony Taylor. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm very sad to say that that is all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday to look back at the Champions League match against Bayern Munich. Uh, I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd. I I haven't picked another two uh, victims yet, but I will do uh, very soon, I promise. Uh, Now, this week, uh, the week after, sorry. So, next week, Bayern Munich. Week after... No, hang on. I get this right. Next week is our penultimate Monday night show. So, we've got one more next Monday. Then on the 17th, we'll be doing our season review show with all the usual Chelsea fancast suspects. So I'm really hope, hoping to get everybody in on Zoom. I mean, some people might not be around. That's fair enough. But there's many of the fancast contributors, and there are about 15 of us all told from the season. If we all get in there, and we're going to go through our own kind of player of the season, uh, most improved player, disappointment, best match, worst match, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it should be great fun. And uh, basically, we intend it to be like a drunken party but obviously without the touching, which is a shame, really. But there you go. Um, but it'll be fun, so do check that one out. Um, of course, look out this week for the next installment of the 50 Years of Chelsea series, this week featuring the 1985-86 season with me and Jonathan and Dan. Dan Silver's back. Plus, of course, there'll be 
Contributions from Kerry Dixon, Paul Cannibal, Colin Bates and Johnny Bumstead. So check that out when it's out later this week. Of course, the Fancast is available, as you all know, uh, as a podcast on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Talking of which, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and other Chelsea podcasts on the CFC Blues app as they so eloquently announce here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, Now, a quick shout-out for our Patreon page. Um, Talking of Patreon, which, as you know, all you have to do, bung us some money, helps us to pay the cost of the show and all that malarkey. Uh, and it's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, no pressure. You either do or you don't. If you do, we love you to pieces. If you don't, we still love you to pieces. It's that simple. Um, you can get in, in touch with me quite easily there, so there's an advantage to that. But there is something else that I'm thinking of planning, because I've got a couple of weeks off, actually, funny enough, from the 17th. And I was wondering, JK, um, if you would be up for doing like a Q&A just for our Patreon members. would love it. I'll, I'll figure out how we can do that, technically, all right? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, we could make it Patreon or Mixler. I don't know. I'll work out the tech, but if you're up for that, and, I mean, if anybody else from the Fancast mob wants to join in, by all means do, but uh, we can turn it over to the people who listen and they can ask us love questions it. and we can answer We'd love them. it, yeah. Be up for that? Absolutely. Yeah, Excuse that's me. what I thought. So, that, But we'll just make that a Patreon-only show. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. All right. Great stuff. Right. You can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chidge. Uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd. Uh, Martin at Martin Wickham. Dan at Dan Silv 73. Dean at Dean Mears. Marco at Gate 17. Marco. Joe at Joe Tweedy. Clayton at Goalie 59. Tony at Grocer Jet UK. Uh, and Liam at Liam underscore Toomey. And Alex at CFC GWLB. As I said, don't forget to check out the Instagram and Facebook accounts at Chelsea Fancast. Um, boys, legendary performance tonight. We're way past our bedtime, as we all know. Martin, always a delight to have your sense and sensibility on these shows. We don't get you on enough. We'll have to rectify that in the new season. No problem. Thanks for having me. I just want to correct you on my Twitter handle, because if you go to at Martin Wickham, you get some bloke from Cowansville, Quebec, Canada. There is an underscore between... Ooh. There's an underscore in my Twitter handle between first and surname. I mean... I have... I have- I never edit the script, yeah, so I've right. corrected it live now, so it will Good forever on. be right. I mean, I'm looking at this geezer's feet now. He talks a lot more sense than me. So maybe I, I recommend <laughs> you follow him as well. Brilliant. Martin, apologies. No you know what I'm like with my, my typos. Uh, great to see you, mate. Have a good week. And I'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Uh, JK, it's been a mammoth marathon monster show. Well done. You've been superb as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always lovely to be on the show with such lovely guests as well. Such informative. Yeah. It was lovely to hear Martin come up with alternative views to you and I. Yeah. Were, uh, yeah. I do my best. <laughs> that we're better, Chidge. We're better. Oh, much, yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, the if I, you know if we're talking kind of like player of the year ratings, we're player ratings, which we are in our season review show. I would mark you down a point for not liking my Abamyang joke. I think that's fair enough. Absolutely. Do I not come back up again because I like the um, uh, that's true one? Yeah, yeah, you made up for it. Okay, good point. What a lovely note to end today. I like it when it's conciliatory, really. All right, uh, you boys have been brilliant. Mixler people, as always, you've been absolutely tremendous. Lovely comments in there. Uh, from you all we love seeing you in there so thank you very 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 much Uh, right thank you for listening see you next time until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it Chelsea
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.